0: and we are here for the second full episode of clone wars conversations that is where myself math and dave go through each episode of the clone wars from the animated series which was released in 2008 and there's seven seasons of this it's a lot of episodes to go through we did all of episode one last month or sorry all of season one last month that was all 22 episodes but this time we're splitting it in half a bit so we have a little bit more time to speak about the episodes in more detail the arcs and certainly as we get through the later seasons there's going to be whole arcs that we're going to want to just really really talk about but we're not quite there yet we're not quite there so season two came out i think 2009 2010 sort of time we're tackling the first half so episodes one to 11 so it's just 2009 i believe and math has as to remind anyone who may not have joined before math has never seen the clone wars before so this is his first time dave has watched it all through once and i've watched it all through two or three times i believe so it's a fun experience for all of us so we're going to loosely go through the episodes and talk about our favorite bits in between that but before we get to that there's two things to note. First thing. Season two of the Clone Wars, I only found this out the other day, is has got like a subtitle to it called Rise of the Bounty Hunters. So this is a season where Bounty Hunters come to the forefront a lot more, and in the second season there's a lot of arcs heavily surrounding the Bounty Hunters, so that's quite interesting. And as we go through the seasons, all of them bar two others have got little subtitly bits to loosely give an exciting sieve to what this season is about. But the other thing I need to say is to introduce my fellow uh, hosts on this journey. So first of all is Dave. Dave, how are you doing and how did you find Season 2, Part 1 of The Clone Wars in general?
1: Hey there, Mike. It's great to speak to you and uh, and Maff again. I've been chomping at the bit to get into this one. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say going through Clone Wars is a linear progression. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are spotty episodes here and there in season one, which we discussed last time. But I I think if I go to an analogy, so a, a friend of mine, this is going back a few years now, he was a young dad. And uh, it was the first time that his wife was going to go away for the weekend. So he was sort of stressing a bit. He's not been left with this responsibility before. You know, he's got two young, young kids there and he's thinking he's on it. doing quite well. So we're into like Saturday afternoon or something. And then he's like, right, I've got, got the two kids, but I I need to start making the tea or or dinner. How do, how do I do that? Right. So I I tell you what, we we put something on the TV, a sausage party. That looks good. That looks like a good fun kids program. (laughs) And he, he puts it on and goes off and makes the, (laughs) starts making dinner. And then he comes back and he's like, no, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> monstrous dad fail um but I, I i think back to that when i i think of like this clone wars season because again we said a little bit in season one where the needle flips from being really kiddish and i always think the droids are, are one of the most kiddy things in this but then some really quite dark you know and terrifying things and, and i'm glad we've split the season up so we can savor a little bit more some of the episodes and, and just some of the themes and stuff so yeah can't wait to get into it
0: yeah it's it's gonna be great fun it's it's one of those where there's so much to speak about it but math this is your first time and unlike me and dave you've just had to stop partway through season of clone wars and until we finish this recording you can't watch anymore so how has that been for you
2: Um, I mean, I suppose it's kind of been good in one sense that we've we're splitting it because it gave us a bit more time. I had several things to do this last few weeks, and that's sort of been. I've kind of watched a lot of them last week, and that's a a bit more fresh in my mind. But I wish we. we, I think the way they've done this, they've kind of split it like you told me before. They were splitting into little sections. The last one seems like a palate cleanser before the next arc. So, mm-hmm. in a way, I, I kind of read that it, I think Mandalorians in the next part. Yeah,
0: next episode called the Mandalor plot.
2: Yeah, so I thought, right, that's going to be another arc. So the the way that this where we're going to finish, it was like that kind of like a, it, once was a filler episode. It was actually an episode I really enjoyed because of the what the teaching of it. Is the lesson that she learns in it. But I think that there's a lot more we can kind of instead of just glossing over some of the episodes, season one was a bit more like Monster of the Week kind of mm-hmm. thing. But this just seemed a bit more kind of you've got several episodes that are together and we can kind of dig into them. I mean, you know, we were saying off air that some of them are quite dark. This, you know some of the some of the things in this for a kid's cartoon is like I, there's part of me that wants George to watch it, but there's part of me that's thinking, I'm not so sure. I mean, it, it it's it's a weird discussion because, like, I, I've taken him to watch several films. we just went and watched Migration uh, the mm. other week, which is a big kiddies film, but there's a few bits in there that are a little bit kind of, I suppose it's there for the parents, uh, you know, for them to kind of have a bit of a laugh with But in Star Wars, you don't realise how dark things are. And it's like, I want George to watch it, but then there's a little bit of thinking, is he ready for this yet? I mean, Hmm. some of the stuff that he watches on YouTube, you kind of think, you know, when they're watching Minecraft and stuff like that, it's like, well, maybe maybe not ready for that one.
0: (laughs) It might be worth, um, maybe in a little bit of time, getting him to watch Resistance, um, because that show is... Uh, obviously, I know which is Young Jedi Adventures and things, but Resistance is the show that I actively do not like. It's not mm. horrendous. It's just it's the best episodes of Resistance are like the worst filler episodes of Clone Wars. Is, but is it's the, much more kiddish.
2: The, the, I saw something on Disney Plus the other day, and there was just two of them, mm. and they're both like an hour and a half each.
0: No, those are the Clone Wars micro-series, so that's the Legends Clone Wars show. So that was was released before Revenge of the Sith came out from memory, and they were released on Cartoon Network. Uh, The first season is two minutes long, as in each episode is like two minutes long. They used to do a thing on Cartoon Network where they'd play a show at like in prime time between like five and seven. They'd play a show, that would finish on Sky, I remember, being at like 657 and then from mm-hmm. 6.57 to 7 o'clock, it would be Clone Wars micro-episode. And then it would be another episode of something else, another episode of something else. Then three minutes, two minutes of uh, Clone Wars. So it's these weird little – It was almost like comic strips almost. But they're, they're right. fully animated and stuff. And it's made by uh, – it's Darren Tartovsky or something like that. The guy who made Afro Samurai uh, – Samurai Jack, sorry. Uh, Samurai Jack is right. a, a that kind of style. It's not very much dialogue. The whole first season is like just – battling happening and season two is all right but it's nothing the depth of it is nothing like this Clone it's almost just like 95 percent high octane action um and it's, it's worth a watch it's pretty cool uh there's certain characters that come in it that are different um and grievous is in it but um is different but it's not it's not canon it's why it's, what it's right. like retro part i um, mean that probably wouldn't be suitable for for george but resistance it might be worth a go because aimed at a younger audience and it's quite silly and there's not really any or much threat in it, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's set around the sequel trilogy. But let's delve in. Let's delve in to uh, this. So what I want to do, um, I want to go through the episodes, but before we do, I want to talk about Rex and Ventress. Because last time when we did uh, the season one episode recap, um, we didn't talk about either of those very much. Now, obviously, because of the way I pressured math into watching uh, the animated shows and with good measure because of the ahsoka series um i got him to watch rebels so i've seen rebels uh spoiler alert but you should know this by now friends uh, rex is in rebels he survives um so because of that there's the dramatic tension around rex has been reduced slightly but ventress for example math doesn't know her fate um i know some people out there may or may not um but in in the context of the clone wars and things so what did you think, Math, uh, with Rex and Ventress, both in season one and season two, like what you've seen of them so far? Obviously, Ventress is a new character. Rex as a uh, character you already knew existed, but debuted in this. What do you think about these two characters? Because I think they're probably two of the main new characters in Clone Wars, aside from uh, Ahsoka. Now, introduced that, is, I mean. Uh,
2: Ventress, uh, the thing is, we've only seen a little bit of her. Yes. So, I mean, she seems badass. She seems very is the word cop sure of herself she's she's very arrogant yeah yeah she's very arrogant she's very much like i've been sent to do something i'm gonna do it you're not gonna get in my way yeah she seems to like that challenge when she meets with obi-wan that they seem to be kind of that yin and yang to a certain degree um i suppose you could argue further down the line that vader and obi-wan are kind of the Against each other more than all else, but in this, she seems they seem to be the opposite of each other, they seem to kind of cancel each other out when they kind of meet. Mm. Um, so, but the thing is, because I don't really know much about and she just kind of pops up here and there, she does a little thing and then she goes off again. It's like I don't think she's had a bigger impact yet as what. She, I keep seeing little memes and people saying, oh, Ventress, she returned again. You know, how did this happen? It's like, this obviously means something, but I don't know what. As in Rex, yeah, I know Rex is going to survive. I do like him. It's a strange one, because all the clones the same person but they've all got different personalities and i like the fact they keep showing this we keep meeting new clones all the time whereas like you know dave mentioned a minute ago the the droids and that i i love the droids all well, Roger. raja and it, it's all the same the same voice but there's a bit of a cadence times between what they say um and it's, it's amusing, the fact that you've got one side that is everything's the same. It's like a hive mind, which we'll get into later on. Um, whereas the, the clones have kind of all gone off in their own separate way. And I like the fact that you've seen so many different personalities. Mm. But Rex, whenever he's on, you kind of think, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. This <laughs> There's a reason why he's in charge. There's yeah. a reason why Anakin and Obi-Wan believe in him and can kind of say, look, you know, if I'm going to ask Rex to do something, it's going to get done. And that, yeah. so, uh, you all, I suppose, he does have a bit of plot armour, because you know that he's going to be fine. The same as in the previous season with Anakin being hurt, and oh no, is he going to die? No one's not going to die, because, you know, we know his fate further down the line. But with Rex, it, you know when he comes on, you know that he means business. You know that he's going to get stuff done. And I do I do like that. But I do like to see the other clones. And again, he's starting to get to know a few different ones. He's starting to pop up a little bit more. There's
0: more to come. Cody. You know,
2: that, you yeah,
0: know, well, he's... Cody got a lot more. Whenever he comes up, Meg is like, I hate him. He's a baddie because <laughs> he fires at Obi-Wan at Utapau. Um, but Dave, uh, so Rex and Ventress, what are your kind of opinions on those two? I know, obviously, both of them is slightly skewed for what's to come. Um, but what do you think about them, like, where they are in this journey and if you can hint at what you are you happy to see them in Clone Wars? do you think they're good characters like without well, spoiling but give a little hint of your, th- your thoughts yeah i mean i can't help but feel
1: like ventris is just like a poundland sith isn't she? she you know all of the inquisitors i just mm-hmm. feel like they're put there because they remind you of like darth vader and and darth maul and and but they, they hadn't appeared in live action anywhere. So it's just, they seem like created for animation fodder for me. I, I don't know why. I just, I, I get the feeling there's quite a lot of love and, or love, or people like really like the character. Not for me. I, it's just, <laughs> and Sith, that, that's all Ventress is for me. Um, but Rex, I, I mean, I do think that. It, what I love about this season, uh, not the season, but the whole series, is just how they can do that with the clones. I, th- I think, I mean, Clone Wars, it, it's kind of implied, but really, this this is a lot about Anakin, isn't it? You know, he, he's kind of central to everything. But I always gravitate more to the clone stories. And the fact that you've got everyone who starts off with this same, you know, building. Set of building blocks, the that, genetic that, makeup, yeah, all the same DNA and everything. But from that point, they're duplicated. Then it's a lot of it's not, it's nature versus nurture as well, isn't it? It's uh-huh, what are the lessons that they've taught on the battlefield? What lessons did they learn there? So they all gradually become more and more unique and rex just has that kind of gravitas he has that authority that when he speaks you know you better listen and so what i mean we'll get into uh the deserter episode i'm sure Mm. at some point but i thought what it also showed in that is that rex you know he can learn lessons as well he can he, he, does, he doesn't just have this fixed view of the world. He can actually be taught things and think, oh, right, this, this changes my perspective on things.
0: Mm, very good point. Very good point. Well, we'll delve straight Could in. I just ask? Oh, no, go ahead, Maff. Do it.
1: Right.
2: The Inquisitors.
0: Yeah. They're not Sith. No. But they have some form of force powers, yeah? They're dark side users. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of like Sith assassins almost without the title. Right. They're tools used by the Sith.
2: But now, from what we were discussing before about the Vader comics, um, Vader went and got his lightsaber by bleeding the crystal. So yes. all these uh, Inquisitors, have they all been and defeated Jedi to be able to do that? Or?
0: So this is explored, uh, not in a comic, in a book. Uh, it's called Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. It is, in my opinion, one of the best um, sequel, uh, sorry, prequel era novels. Um, it's by Delilah S. Dawson, who also wrote the Phasma book that I recently released a v- review for. Um, it's about a character called Iskataris. Uh, she's actually in the 2017 Vader comics. Um, she pops up in one of the arcs. Um, you'll know it when it happens. Um, will, when you when you get there, I'll tell you about it. I don't want to spoil anything, um, but she's in that. And so this is about a Jedi who's there at the Battle of Geonosis as a padawan and then slowly got disillusioned with the, with the Jedi order uh, and then you know rise the red blade spoiler she becomes an inquisitor and you you kind of get to see a bit behind the scenes stuff in the the arc you're you're about to embark on you do also get a bit of stuff in the inquisitors and you get and she's in it so you get to see if you've read this or listen to the audiobook the two perspectives in the book it explains that there's a there's a type of ritual that they do um mm-hmm. it's not the same as a lightsaber bleeding as far as people can tell but there is something that you have to do and she is tested you get tested before you get to name yourself the before you get the name of the third sister the fifth brother these you have to do something specific and most of the time that seems to be going out hunting finding and killing a jedi and bringing back their lightsabers whatever other trophies jedi artifacts they have that kind of thing so you kind of do like a, a trial almost and then if you succeed you then get your own red lightsaber in the spinny bladey thing yeah um so until this book came out which was literally within the last year i think it was late last year there wasn't actually a clear canon explanation in the vader comics it doesn't really talk about it either um so it's a a concept that is quite new to the canon because in in legends it was just lightsaber crystals by um uh, Jedi, they were just naturally forming, like an Ilum, places like that. You go find one, you you know, do this thing. There's a Clone Wars arc about all that kind of jazz, so you'll know more about it at some point. But the but the Sith, they didn't do that. They created their own Sith alchemy is quite a big thing in Legends. So to create their own lightsaber crystal, and it takes days, I think. There's it's in the Darth Maul Shadow Hunter book, and it's like an artificial crystal. And the reason it's red is because to make a fake crystal. It's like always in pain. It's like there's like a problem mm. with it almost. So it's like a, a an unnatural lightsaber crystal is red. So, yeah, they do do it in canon, but it's this, you, You've said before about there's
2: only... With the Sith, there's only the master and one Sith. Is that
0: right? Yeah, there's only two. The rule of two. So, whereas Jedi, there's, there's hundreds of them 10,000-ish uh, 10, around. 10, around the time of the prequels. So,
2: I'm assuming... That- so Sif is kind
0: of, obviously the
2: Master, em- Emperor's the Master, and then you have the, the Sif. So then everything underneath him is Inquisitors. Yeah. And if in, sorry, the yeah. Sif was defeated, one of them Inquisitors would then in be theory, promoted.
0: The next comic you're about to delve into um, with the Grand Inquisitor on the front of it, that mm-hmm. is specifically the Grand Inquisitor meeting Vader, not knowing who he is, and then right. Vader thinking to Palps, who's this guy? and it kind of it tackles that idea a little bit okay. of of like the palpatine as you saw on the 2015 vader comics that's towards the, you know when a new hope is it's after a new hope but before empire strikes back so it's it's much later in his time with um, Palps. like nearly it was over 20 years at that point um and at that point he's he's overtly being like here's your replacements because you suck beat them or you get replaced yeah in the earlier days he was much more subtle with it he was much more seeing hmm, anakin failed me on mr far that's his greatest failure but can he is he still worth something so there's a little bit of testing and as it goes on it gets more and more and more intense the way he tests him so it is always that if they not strong enough palpatine is palpatine always calls people a friend and they're always just actually a tool to him yeah uh, and Vader even thinks that in certain novels when you hear from his perspective and stuff he, he, he thinks about that. and other people notice it as well I think Thrawn notices at one point in the books as well so it's all about just they're Palpatine's playthings and he gives the title to Vader because he is a Sith Lord and he does do the Sith stuff but Palpatine doesn't care he doesn't really care about the Rule of Two either He he's yeah, willing he, to die and let Vader surpass him he wants to live forever and he, he can't let go Palpatine seems to be I mean you know we see him pop up
2: in, in Clone Wars and, and that and he He's very much that kind of, you always feel he's not like a couple of moves ahead. He's like 10 or 12, 20, yep. you know, places ahead of everybody else. And he's playing both sides. So to be fair, however it goes, he wins. That's Which is genius of him. That's, yeah, that, that's the greatest thing. Agreed. He's like, the, you know, they the say about the devil, the devil's biggest thing is trying to trick him for that he doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. In a way, that's kind of what Palpatine is doing you know, the Emperor doesn't really exist. You know, he's not real in that
0: book. Yeah. Well, that that actually fits well into the first three episodes of this. So we've got Holocron Heist, Cargo of Doom, and the Children of the Force. We'll talk about these as sort of a collective. Um, so the first one, Ahsoka gets carried away, um, and then it gets punished with guard duty, and is stuck with Jocasta Nu. Uh, the second one is Cad Bane, uh, stolen the uh, Kyber Crystal, with the Force-sensitive children on it, you know, so sort of towards the end of that first episode. And then Children of the Force is Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, and Anakin go, uh, they force... Uh, Bane to talk. They use like dark side stuff on him, and they essentially go and try and find where the Sith Lord is. They end up at Mustafar, and they do eventually get the crystal back. So that's a very loose idea of people uh, of what was kind of going on on this. So, uh, Dave, do you want to go first? So, what are your kind of thoughts on this? This start to season three of this kind of this first three episode arc? So, I guess my first thought
1: was this makes the last episode of the first season seem even more strange. Because, yep. because Bane was so prevalent, you know, in in this in this three episodes, then it, it just makes you think: Well, should these three be at the end of the last season, or should the last episode of that season be the first one of this? It, it just seemed really strange to finish it off. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're in the writer's room, you could convince yourselves, like, oh, yeah, we'll give a little teaser. You know, we'll show this Bane character, and then, you know, people will be wondering, and then in season two, we'll give them more of that. So uh, may- maybe it was something like that. But I think, you know, as we start to see Clone Wars kind of find its feet, I- I'm not sure it's in these first few episodes, but I guess the—I mean, skipping over the first two, actually, the um, the bit that sort of made me really question the the ethics and and uh, you know the the uh, code,
0: almost the honor,
1: the honor. Yeah, about the Jedi was was where they basically had Bane and had to do that triple mind. Uh, trick or jedi trick or whatever on bane and it's like you all seem to agree that you shouldn't really do this and it's quite dangerous but but you're all just sleepwalking into it you're all just happy to go ahead and do it um that that was the first moment where i thought yeah okay they're, they're playing about with kind of ethics again these grown-up And a kid watching it, it's probably not even thinking about that. But, you know, underlying to it it is that ethical question. I mean, just because you can do this thing doesn't mean that you necessarily should. But because it's in the Star Wars universe, we all think, oh, it's okay. It's all justified, isn't it? Whereas I, I was
0: watching it, I was thinking, no, I don't think it is justified. I've got that written in red. I've got, I've got certain key points kind of written in red throughout my notes. And one of them is Mace, Obi-Wan and Anakin force Spain to talk. Mm. And this is one of the first times that we see, and it happens again later on, which we'll talk about a bit in a bit. But this is the first time where Anakin's like, Oh, the code, according to the Jedi, the code kind of can be bent a little bit. We've got Mace Window here, the most dogmatic Jedi, and then Obi-Wan, who's a strict rule follower. They're both like okay with this because it's a, the means to the end is okay. Yeah. And so this is the point where is Anakin again, and it pays off later he starts to instead of hiding the dark side stuff like he has been in sort of we saw in attack of the clones killing the tuscan raiders that sort of thing he starts to realize that in war you can really do a lot more and he doesn't see the problem in it you know he's he's kind of he does sit in his anger in the dark side a lot and ahsoka specifically in the scene she i think she comes in when they're doing it or was waiting outside and she's like she said something she's like that doesn't Something was wrong there. And Anakin, I think, is just like, we've got the information now, so what does it matter? And she's the only one to really question it. And it is, as you say, Dave, it's kind of showing the Jedi lost their way uh, a little bit. So mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think about that, uh, That's that part or the, the episode as a whole? Oh, I think it,
2: it's I thing where they, they feel as if they've got to kind of go a certain line, haven't they? Mm-hmm. They've got to stay on this good path. But when it suits them, they can bend it. And that, that's an issue that I always have with the Jedi. They kind of seem to be like we're the good, up-sounding. You know, the protectors of peace. We can do this and kind of but we can kill people as well. When it? It, it suits us, we can we can you know we can force people to tell us what we want them to do when it suits us. But that's the dark side. But yeah, but you know, it, it's that grey that they seem to be able to get away with all the time. And that, and I think that's an, that, that's part of the reason why I, I feel that the Jedi are always kind of hampered and that, that you don't want them to explore the dark side quite the way that the Sith do. But I, I feel for Anakin at times, but you, you see when Anakin kind of goes, there's a, there's a tough decision and he kind of picks someone that is going to get the result. And then he gets just it. size But it's like, yeah, but you guys are happy to do that when it suits you. But when, you know, when someone else does it, Oh no, you're not allowed to do that. It, it they're very um, two-faced, I suppose, is, is the right way.
0: Hypocrites is what yeah, uh, hypocrites, Palpatine yeah, often calls them, and a lot of the Sith, they describe the Jedi as hypocrites quite frequently, and so the other antagonists of the Jedi in like, the High Republic era and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I just, you know... I, but, I, mean, I suppose as well, you know, I can kind of go along, because Mega doesn't like Mace Window. The more... Unfortunately, the more that I see him, the more of a dick I think he is sometimes. He's cool. Oh, yes. He's he's very cool and he's very good at what he does, but he's a mega dickhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but,
0: Go on. Well, I was just going to say, um, I've realised... Megan's not here because she's ill. That's, that's mm. what I forgot to mention at the start. I did all the other stuff. She's she's feeling very under the weather. She's in uh, in bed at the moment. I've been taking care of her sort of today and yesterday. So uh, that's why she's not in this one, but she'll try and make it to the next one. Um, that's all I was going to chime in, Mav, so continue. I
2: shaking her going, yeah, <laughs> can do. <laughs> Screw you. But yeah, um, no, sh- sorry, I got distracted because I, I, I just remembered in the, in the first episode, there's that, it, 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 she's called Cato. Kato. Mm-hmm. The shapeshifter. The what I? The shapeshifter.
0: Yes, uh the species is a Claudite.
2: Is that the same character that we see
0: in Attack of, of the Wars? Clones? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I thought it was I thought it was as well, but no, that's Zam Wessel. Zam Wessel dies oh, right. uh, yeah. in Attack of the Clones. She gets killed by um uh, Fett.
2: You see, this is a problem because we have this these three episodes. Which are before end of season one mm-hmm. episode. I don't know where I am
0: with the timeline. Well, it's always after Attack of the Clones. If if it's always going to be after Attack of the Clones because this is specifically the Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. it's it will always be between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. The thing you've got to pay attention to is if Ahsoka is not there and never mentioned. Usually, it's before the Clone Wars movie. There's two right, there's two yeah. episodes of that. So there's one that's going to be in part two of this season. Um, and then it's called cat and mouse and then there's the one we saw before which i think was rookies um but the timeline thing i mentioned in the prior episode but just as a reminder to people yeah the the finale of season one which is episode 22 comes over comes after every single episode in season two apart from episode 15 which takes place after it and also season one episode 22 is after a good chunk of season three it's after the first episode eight episodes of season three but season three episodes nine to 22 are after so that's why it's all confusing on <laughs> and why cad they've just done this so season two and season three are kind of muddled it's it's the first half of season three and all of season two as well as bits of season one are all kind of mixed between the theatrical movie and season four but once you kind of get to that point it's a much more chronological it's like watching firefly again <laughs> <laughs> if you
2: watched it originally when it first got released it was complete mess all over the place but yeah i i think again the first three episodes are good but if you want to mention obviously when we reviewed uh, season one if you wanted to said that set in front of what you're going to see next i'd have been like they know who cad is mm-hmm. but yeah the they're acting as if they don't know each other, which obviously they don't at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's also, I don't really understand why it made a difference, because the events, the events of the finale of the last episode, I'm just like, why, why was that, like, he freed Zero, I think was the main thing, wasn't it? And I'm like, why, why, I, I can't remember if there's an episode in season two, I don't think there is, about it. But I'm like, why did that matter? That It had to be timeline-wise before this. You change, like, one line of dialogue and this can just be the first time Bane ever met the Jedi, it's just mm. a really weird choice to decide to do that for no real reason. It feels like a mistake, but I don't think it was. It's it's just it's bizarre. But if we if we move on now, uh, um, I, we'll I, go ahead. I, think, I think I think I did say in
2: season one, um, I think season one seemed to be very much of let's throw a lot of different episodes and see what sticks, let's see what people like, and we'll build from. Obviously, I don't know how much they are going to build from there yet because I. I You made me stop at episode 11. But I I feel that this is better structured. So I feel that maybe season one were very much like, let's see what people like. We'll take it from there. I I mean, I'm assuming Zero does appear further down the line.
0: He does, yeah. yeah. But
2: at the same point, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't because if he didn't kind of fit the audience's reaction, they would go, well, he don't work, so let's not use him now. Well, it's fun.
0: Is Jabber appears again, but Stinky is never mentioned again. Uh, we'll rotter the hut. Um, we'll move on to so the arcs in this. So the first three episodes is one arc. Then the next five episodes is a five episode arc, which I think is the longest arc in the whole of the Clone Wars uh, seasons because they normally stick to three or four episodes ago, uh, and then they loosely continue on from each other to a degree later on. And then the last three episodes of the season, um, so the last four, yeah, last three episodes of the season are all one offs. So it's three, then five, and then three individual ones. And then, you know, the, the following half of the season. So we've got the big... The, the main part of season one is the Geonosis arc. So it's five episodes. It starts as Senate Spy, which is about Clovis. Then you get Landing uh, Point um, Rain, then Weapons Factory, Legacy of Terror, and Brain Invaders. So the first three is all about taking Geonosis back... Where it's first about learning about Genosis weapons factory, then two episodes taking Genosis back, first from sort of the air and distance, and then from the more the center. And then the subsequent two episodes are like the, the, the Queen's like mini arc in a way and the, the brain invaders there's worms going up the noses the really horror elements okay now i do want to talk about the two horror episodes but we'll separate it just for this part because i'm sure we've got a lot of things to say about brain invaders and legacy of terror but those first three episodes the so senate spy of clovis landing at point rain with kairi mundi uh, wax from boyle the two clones uh, and then also weapons factory with and unduli and barris offi so as well as ahsoka with um anakin as well so there's Kind Of different perspectives going on here, so I throw it to you first, uh, Dave. With this first three parts of Geonosis, like what did you think um, of it? Any kind of standout parts or moments? Um, I, I guess at
1: one point I was wondering, I, it's interesting the wording you used there about retaking Geonosis because it seemed to me like the Genotians were on the separatist side yes. uh, and they had a weapons factory, but it did seem like
0: the Jedi were just invading. Mm-hmm. They basically were. Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, they won again, the War of Genosis, but they basically just kind of... I think all the Genosis kind of hid in the catacombs and they were like, right when the Clone Wars now, let's bail and go do more important battles and then slowly yeah. the Genosians rose up.
1: Yeah, but it did... Um, it, it started off uh, in an interesting way because Anakin had been off somewhere, you know, on a mission or something. comes back to see Padme and I thought it was quite... um Again, it was a hint at a bit of adult uh, time, Activities. a bit of, bit of adult cuddles, I think, were going on there because you had uh, Obi-Wan who like, I've been summoning Anakin all night. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just putting, it, putting in my notes here, Anakin busy on the job. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what I always find weird watching the Clone Wars is that, you know, you're essentially watching young space Hitler But you can't, you sort of forget that, or I forget that, and I'm rooting for him, I'm I'm with him. And so it's surprising to me when he acts like a dick. You know, and and he's so jealous, isn't he, when uh, he finds out about Clovis. You know, who's this Clovis guy, you know? And and I'm like, Anakin, don't be a dick. But then I'm like, oh, you're a fucking space hitler, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> probably, in the grand scheme of things, being a bit possessive about your girlfriend probably isn't that high on the list. But, um, but yeah, I think in terms of the arc, they all blend a little bit, not... Not because they're samey, but for me, they really feel like one story. Mm -hmm. So, as Math said there about Monster of the Week with season one, I think it was very, very episodic, wasn't it? Every episode was a start, middle, and end story, and then you're on to something in the next one. Whereas this just felt like a continuation. It almost felt like, I mean, this could be, unlike the Clone Wars movie, you could knit this all together. And it would
0: feel like a, a short movie, wouldn't it? So if you put I, this I, with the dessert, if with these five, it would make like an hour and a half ish, or yeah. about an hour and a half, uh, maybe nearly two hours. You could just add either Grievous in, like Grievous intrigue, would be a cool one because it would kind of build hype for Grievous' appearance in Revenge of the Sith if they had released, as you said, the, the Genosis episodes and one or two extra ones, the, mm-hmm. the standalone episodes, like the deserter. That'd have been a really cool. That'd have been a much better Clone Wars movie. You're dead right. Yeah,
1: yeah, it would have been, but.
0: I thought it was good because you get the,
1: the episodes where they're kind of retaking Genosis and then, you know, where it all descends into this horror kind of thing. You know, you get to meet the queen, don't you? And they just like, she's creepy as fuck. You know, like, oh, <laughs> this is getting kind of a bit weird. But then when they have the worms and then not just the the fact that these worms i mean it's a little bit uh star trek 2 rattacana as well to me but um the it's the sound that they make you know when you you see these things this this like shriek that you hear and uh, again i i think much right to be slightly cautious with showing this to young tr- children I, I do think it you know for for a Star Wars animated show. I, I thought this was pretty creepy. Mm. But yeah, this this for me, the, these weren't my favorite episodes, but for me, this is part of the evolution of Clone Wars. This is where you're seeing now there's an, a tight arc that spans several episodes. This is the first time for me we, we've seen it in Clone Wars. So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed
0: it for that the complex storytelling and what I like is the yeah. different perspectives from different Jedi. And you kind mm-hmm. of seeing how a battle with several different generals all kind of working together, how you can steadily kind of take over an area when it doesn't work and be a stalemate. Mm-hmm. But math, what did you think? Um, we'll focus again, slightly more on the first three episodes and then we'll, we'll, delve into the horror ones in more detail. Cause I'm sure we've got lots to talk about with those, but those as first three in the Geonosis feel like, how, how did you feel going into this and feeling this bigger five episode arc? Um, I, I,
2: I, I, I like the fact that uh, Padme were like, I'm not going to, I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved. Good. I don't want you getting involved because I say so. Fuck you, Anakin. I'm getting involved. I'm going to go do it now. And it's like, what? But I just told you you're not allowed to do it. Yeah. So I'm definitely going it, to, it's like when, you know, this I tell kids, don't do that. I know they're going to go do it. You know, it, <laughs> it is a point where you realize that they are still technically. Teenage, well,
0: well older very young, teenage, you know. I think Anakin's 19, maybe 20 at this point. Yeah. I think Padme's in a 22, maybe 23. I oh, think yeah, so, she, still she, quite young.
2: She's older isn't she, yeah,
0: <laughs> a couple years, I think. Yeah, um,
2: and again, when he kind of finds out about um Clovis, he's like, Who's, who's that? And you can see that again, we, we mentioned this before, I might be um, before we start recording it, that. There's a few moments in this where you see Anakin kind of, and I think the way they draw it as well, he goes dark, it like mm-hmm. gives him that shadow, that kind of, you know, like, as if like that dark side's coming across him or something like that. Strange. Uh, but it, it, it is that jealousy, you know, which I, I understand that, but sometimes he, he, he goes a bit too far with it. But I think we've said before, I don't, I don't think it's so much that he's jealous. I think it's jealous that what Padme makes him feel, not so much about Padme herself and that someone else would, you know, it's the fact that how he feels that he's kind of in charge of her and controlling her. It's possessive fact, love. Yeah. And when mm. he doesn't have that, he, he really doesn't like it. He doesn't like the control. You You see it when he doesn't have control. In, when Obi-Wan kind of tells him what to do, because in a way, they're kind of on the same level now, aren't they?
0: There are. There's a book, Brotherhood, that explores them finding their yeah. way and how much happier they both are because Obi-Wan's like, I'm exhausted. I have to be the father figure of Anakin who doesn't want to be fathered. And Anakin's like, finally people are treating me like an actual adult, which is nice. But I just want to quickly add, it's a five-year age difference uh, between right. Padme and Anakin. So he was 10 in Phantom Menace-ish and she was about 15. And now he's about 19, 20 and she's about 24, 25.
2: Yeah, it, it's, you do feel that, although they are equal, that there's still respect there for everyone, but also resentment as well. And I think as we're going along more, I do find it a bit strange the fact that that Anakin is dressed in kind of dark clothes. Yeah, dark. It, it's like you know, let, let's let's basically just throw it out there: the fact that he's going to become Vader. <laughs> Spoilers, um, <laughs> but the. It, yeah, it, it it's that thing where you are seeing this side of Anakin, slightly, slightly coming coming from him. You can see that darkness, you know, when he doesn't get his own way. But then again, again, um, when uh, Luminar and uh, all kind of comes with a Padawan, yeah, yeah, and, like, and then yeah. it's like you know, he's chastising Ahsoka, you know, you're not good enough and this and over and that, and he doesn't trust her, whereas until he's like oh i trust mine and that but it's strange although he's saying he doesn't trust her he knows full well if he asks her to do something she can do it and if anything he's the one who's got more confidence in his padawan than what she does
0: well on on that point it's like he he lets her he teaches her to be adaptable whereas (laughs) barris is taught do this task and Barriss does the task to the best of her ability, which obviously memorising elaborate, which she didn't do a great job at. But it's like learn this task, okay, Luminara? I will do this thing. Whereas Anakin is like, here's a problem, solve it. And it's it's you know, Ahsoka does have freedom because she gets in certain situations, but he teaches her how to adapt. I wonder if you had any comments on uh, that element of of Barriss and Luminara, because you know Barris and Luminara show up. Again, like lumen, lumen Barris and Ahsoka become like friends, and it's interesting watching these two padawans grow up with very, very different masters. And that's another element of showing Ahsoka's growth in the show, and how inevitably she survives a very horrible event that occurs. I think you know? it's it's
2: it's it's fine the way I suppose the way Luminavis teaching her. This is a problem. This is how we fix it. So do these things, and it works. That, that's fine, but in the real world it don't work like that. Mm-hmm. And Anakin understands that. The way he's been brought up and he's grown up and he's seen things. Um, he's seen horrific things. He understands that it it's fine, but you know, it's that saying to be economic you've got to break some eggs. Mm-hmm. He knows the fact that you can have you can have a task in front of you, but it's gonna go tits up at some point. So you've got to be able to pivot, you've got to be able to Make the best of a bad situation, which is why when he says, I'm not going to give up on my padlocks, I know she's still there. I know that she'll still be fighting to be able to, she'll be able to get out of this, Mm -hmm. which she does. And if anything, I think that, you know, you would say that Anakin's a better version of Obi-Wan in a way. He's Mm. he's kind of evolved from Obi-Wan. Ahsoka is a better version there as well. She's kind of because she's taking on all this knowledge, and she's adapting and you know she's making it work for herself. Mm. So I I do like the fact that you've got two, you know, two pad who are going down the same path and probably about the same age, rather about that. Yeah, I haven't looked up their ages, but about that, but being talked so different, and if anything, you would say that you know, sh- you would put more um Faith and Ahsoka doing something that you would with, um, is it Barris?
0: Barris, ba- yeah. Offy, yeah. Well Dave, I wonder if you have any uh, comments on um, those sort of parts before we delve into the horror stuff. If you've got any comments on their relationship or the Ahsoka being collapsed under rubble, etc. Uh, I'm trying to think now because I, I haven't written in my, in my notes,
1: but is this the one where the Padawans do uh, essentially you know, they could get left for dead, but Anakin won't won't have it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, I thought it, again, really, really interesting, thought-provoking stuff, wasn't it? So the the reason I was my mind was veering off a little bit there with what Math was saying is that there's an old saying, I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it's something like battle plans don't survive first contact with the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is kind of a, a known thing that you can't be this formulaic, and and actually, you know, any kind of soldiers need to be adaptable, you know, to to their surroundings. But the the Jedi are so high on their own supply, aren't they? They, they probably don't care about that. But it, it is interesting how you know it, the the Jedi's are different. Actually, in the you know the Battle of genosis earlier you know it showed those different approaches to uh strategy and things like that but yeah i thought again you're you're kind of rooting for anakin and anakin kind of did the heroic thing you know in saving the padawans whereas um luminara's like okay you know i'll mourn her if if uh, i lose the padawan but she'll have sort of done her duty and and I I can't fully get it behind that as the the Jedi philosophy, but Anakin's kind of fear of losing, you know, his his attachment issues and stuff. I know that's kind of what turns him to the dark side. So when I'm watching it, I'm kind of wrestling with it. It's like, yeah, it's a heroic thing. And it's like, oh, but apparently it's bad to do this thing, you know? So I thought it was really cleverly done the way it kind of, again, it... It poses those questions in this kids animated show without ramming it down your throat. It's just it's there, and if you're a kid, you're just watching it and you you enjoy you know the things happening and hey you know they they rescued Ahsoka and the the other one, um, but you know the themes are there. The 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 more adult themes about kind of you know sacrifice in a war type environment. And, you know, sometimes I, I don't know if you guys watch the, uh, what was it? Is it the imitation game? With Ben and Cumberbatch? Yeah.
0: I've not seen, I know of it.
1: So, I mean, it's all about, you know, breaking the Enigma code mm. and there's one key bit, and I don't know how historically accurate it is, but they kind of break the code so they can now decrypt all of these messages. And there, there is a ship transporting a load of prisoners of war, so allied prisoners of war. And you've got these bombers and things approaching the ship, and they have the opportunity to say, no, pull out. There's a whole bunch of prisoners on, on board there, and they don't. They, they decide to just let it happen, and they decide to, you know, of all the information that they have, they only act on these – Probably not totally random events, but just enough so it's not clear. Because if the Germans would have changed their their way of encrypted methods, uh, encrypted messages, then all of that work to break the Enigma code would have been for nothing. You know, and they'd be back to the drawing board. So it's really, really, you know, again, thought provoking stuff about just just how you behave in that war, uh, that warlike environment.
0: I agree. I think- I think
2: the, the, there's a thing when in, in the Navy, um, you'll find that, you know, the captain of the ship will keep himself very isolated from the rest of the crew. And, mm. the, and the main reason for that is sort of the fact that when he has to make decisions, there's no personal tie there. There's no kind of, oh, I, can't, I can't do that because I don't want Fred to die, you know he has to make certain decisions, he has to keep himself isolated, which is the same kind of thing. Sometimes you have to, in a war situation, you have to kind of pick the lesser evil, and mm-hmm. unfortunately people will die, but you miss. I mean, I, and I can just say something on that line, so at some point, when the says, people died, he says, well, lots of people live because of you did this. You know, um, it, it it's I think sometimes
1: it, you have to make that
2: tough
1: choice can i just say though you know depending on the writer here you know, it makes that choice either good or bad because mm-hmm. think about it right another disney property if it's in the mcu it's probably captain america making that choice you know no one gets left behind and and so you know it doesn't matter if doing this one heroic thing causes this chain of events he, he's you know doing that heroic thing so yeah it's it's okay if you're in the MCU but not so much in in the Star Wars universe it's the path to the dark but side i think the thing is in the in, in the MCU it's a lot
2: more kind of hero kind of and you can accept the fact that realistically yes Captain America is going to go back and save everybody and bring everyone back home. And yay. But realistically, that isn't going to happen. Whereas in, in Star Wars, to, to be fair, they don't seem to be scared in this kid's program showing the fact that people die. Mm. You know, we, we I mean, the amount of star cruisers that I've seen get blown up and destroyed and just think there's not like five or six people on that star cruiser. There's hundreds, if not probably thousands on there. Lots of maintenance.
1: Engineers, yeah.
0: cleaners. You know, cook, are you doing? Are you doing the clerks? The clerks canteen
1: clerk. staff. Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. So, so people are dying all the way through this, and you know, all right. There's layers to how much you want to pick them things out, and that. But they don't seem that shy at showing this.
0: Mm-hmm. So I oh, do want to like ask that. a question. Yeah,
2: this this arc here mm-hmm. uh, when there's a fight on Genosha. Is that from the flashback in Ahsoka?
0: No. Um, so the flashback in Ahsoka, there's three flashbacks in Ahsoka. Um, the first two are from the Clone Wars movie, and the last one is from the finale. Right,
2: okay. Because so, I, I, I obviously there's these big battles going on. I'm thinking, well, I know that Ahsoka was young. He should have yeah. been young there.
0: The flashbacks is uh, Christophesis, which is where... I think Ahsoka and Anakin sort of one of their first missions is, and Teth is the other first mission. Teth is the more purple smoke, right? Um, but it's—I it, will say there's a part in this um, before we get into the horror stuff, um, but it will lead in—is Ahsoka has a conversation with Barriss at one point about her master, about Anakin, and saying like, "I don't know what he's going to do when this war's over because he—he's—he's do- he's grown up." in essentially a war zone you know he grew up as padawan you know at a time where tensions were high but basically him being a, a jedi now his brashness his you know lack of patience a lot of these things are actually showing him to win a lot of things showing him to you know keep up this chosen one thing everyone knows him as the chosen one as well they all know and some of them don't believe the prophecy others do you know and he's he's got a lot of fame around him and palpatine at least in Legends, Palpatine used Anakin as kind of a um, a poster child for the war. Like, being like, this is the Jedi fighting for you. This is... You know, and Filoni's even said, like, his opinion, and I think George's maybe, is that Anakin Skywalker before his fall was basically one of the greatest Jedis ever because of his compassion, the way he actually accomplished things, the amount of lives he actually saved, the amount of Jedi, the way he did, he trained up Ahsoka, all these sort of things that he's done. He saved Obi-Wan's lives, you know, so many times, as mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. Like, if Anakin hadn't done those things, Luke wouldn't have ever existed. Obviously, Anakin is a father, so obviously he's the reason that Luke and etc. existed. But also, he saved Obi-Wan so many times... Wasn't we, necessarily not. heroic, though, to create Luke
1: and Leia, no, was it? You no, know, not a when you look at like Natalie Portman force. as well. Yeah. Oh, we
0: poor person! <laughs> oh no, you had to have relations with you know Padme. What a shame! What a what a bullet you've taken, and an arrow to the knee. Yeah. But you know, it's taking that, one for the team. Yeah, but it's like it's that kind of idea where he's meant to be the best of them in a way, and it's just the dogma of the Jedi and not having guidance, essentially, with having to hide all these elements of him. Leads him to this path, and so that links in with a thing. Um, and I love that ah- Ahsoka kind of questioning her master a bit because you get little bits of that, a little bit, in Clone Wars, but not actually that much. Um, you find until she kind of comes to that conclusion more so in Rebels, where things click together. But there's a part which I've got written down, which is in the Two Horror episodes. So we'll delve into those, which is Anakin chokes Poggle the Lesser. He force chokes Poggle the Lesser, the Geonosian um, leader. ...in an interrogation. You know, Kaidi Mundi... ...and several others try and interrogate him... ...and Poggle is not talking. And that goes in there, threatens him... ...punches him in, and hits him across the room. And Poggle is like a really old man... Uh, ...in, you know, Genosian terms. Force chokes him and is lifting him up in the corner... ...literally killing him. He gets the answers. He finds out how to stop the... ...I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but... ...he stop. He finds out how that the cold... ...kills the worms that have infected everyone's brains... You know, which if he hadn't stopped and that had somehow got to like Coruscant, the entirety of the, the galaxy could have, in theory, been enslaved by the Genosian hive mind. And it's like him doing that is the only reason that Ahsoka and a lot of the others survive because they'd have had to have been culled otherwise. And him doing that meant that. So it's another time in this season, you know, a few episodes prior. He did something that goes against the Jedi Code. He just took it one step further. Rather mind, trying to mind control, mind intercept, which we see Kylo Ren do in the sequel trilogy to Poe Dameron, and he tries to do it to Rey as well. He he does that thing to people, and that's basically what Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Mace were doing. And then Anakin takes it one step further by doing something dark side. No one finds out he really did it. He kind of brushes it off, and he gets results. And so, again, it's showing that progression steadily.
2: The the thing is, yeah, I mean... Slightly a bit worse, the fact that he's actually forced choking mm-hmm. him. But you've got three Jedi's before doing it to Cad Bane, and I'm assuming that must be just as bad as getting choked, maybe worse.
1: But but that's all right. That's fine for him to do that. But that's so because here's, here's that... the thing, though. Would he have done that? I, I didn't think of that until you just said it there. But would Anakin have done that? had obi-wan and mace not worked with him mm-hmm. to, to do that to cad bane earlier on
0: exactly and that's a question they're the kind of very light hints that get said in these you see that you see over the series anna can do more and more extreme things to a degree in little little doses there's maybe one moment a series it's not like don't expect in series five for him to be like going nuts his little subtleties but every time he does veer to the dark side he seems to get results and that's the problem That's the that's the issue. And that's why, unfortunately, Revenge of the Sith is a turn. My my opinion, the biggest flaw of that film is that Anakin's turn still feels too sharp. Going from, you know, I want to save everyone at the start and then literally killing children. There's not enough explored there. But when you start seeing these things and you start seeing what he can accomplish when he actually does commit to the dark side a bit more, how he does these things and the promises he's given that connects with the possessive love, you really see, like, his path actually... Makes a lot of sense, especially because you're in war for three years. Let's not forget, again, not shown in Revenge of the Sith, and it would have been really good to do this, PTSD. Whether or not it's overt flashbacks and like hysteria, it still affects people in all kinds of different ways. And the violence that Anakin had to consistently use over and over again to get results that save people's lives, it just turns into violence doing stuff that achieves your goals. And that's what Vader does. He goes into every situation with brute force and violence, and he solves... 99% of his issues through brute force and that's what anakin's starting to find he's more powerful than everyone he can do things other people take ages to learn he's excelling at everything he's like as powerful as fellow mentors and they're decades older than him and it's all because that little step up from tapping into the dark side it kind of drip feeds him and it's slowly it's almost like a glass of clear water yeah you put a little bit of one drop of blood in a glass of clear water it doesn't look that different but several drops and eventually the colour changes and that's kind of what the Clone Wars is trying to show till he's at that point of being ultimately susceptible from Palpatine and that turning moment you know and it also shows why he didn't save Mace Windu at the time with Palps because you show time (laughs) and time again that Mace Windu is just awful to him
2: (laughs) so save me Anakin fuck
1: (laughs) off Master Skywalker. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I do like, you know, and this is one of the things that, that makes me love uh, Clone Wars even more is, is the, you just reminded me there about the sudden change in the movies, you know. And again, I think we said it about season one, that this is a slightly different Anakin, isn't it, the, than... Hayden Christensen certainly plays him, but I, th- I think you just go with it. It's it's close enough, isn't it? You know, but I I find this Anakin more endearing. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's a better, well rounded character. Okay, he shows these little traits, he learns these negative lessons, you know, and gets worse and worse gradually. But um, no, I, I do feel like he's a better uh, all round character for me.
2: I, I do wonder when when Anakin goes to get the answers. Would he have also have done that if Ahsoka hadn't been there? If it had just been the clone troopers, I'm not sure he would have quite gone to that force. I think because Ahsoka was there, yeah. and she's his um, his responsibility. Is like. We need to do something, we need to save her. You know, we see that in the episode before where she's trapped underneath, I need to do something, I need to save her. She's still, you know, she's still there, we we can still do something to save her. If Ahsoka hadn't
0: been there, he may not have gone to that, you know, that extreme. Yeah. And if that. the Jedi taught him how to handle his his like mentorship affection and love for Ahsoka and his you know relationshipy wife love for padme if they'd have taught him how to better balance that like in in the book uh crystal rise of the red blade uh in brotherhood a little bit and in uh the clone wars that the theme is explored because i think Ahsoka mentions it again to barris and they have quite a few conversations from memory about like different perspectives of the jedi kind of making you question things and it is that thing of like how am i meant to like I, she's I can't remember if she says it in this season or at another point, but she loosely says like, I love Anakin, you know, he's, he's taught me so much and he cares for me and he saved my life so many times, but I'm not meant to show compassion. I'm meant to, you know, I'm meant to be good to people and care about people and love people as a whole, but I'm not meant to grow attached. And that balance is, is basically a contradiction. And that's kind of the folly of the prequel era Jedi. When you go back to the High Republic era stuff, there's more leniency for things like that, and more ways for people to explore it and essentially get therapy on how to process these things. And in the prequel era Jedi, it's like abstinence. And that's the that's again one of the problems here. Um, so let's talk about the horror episodes a little bit. spoken about Anakin quite a lot, which understandably because he's you know arguably the main character in the show in Ahsoka. So there's two horror episodes. There's Legacy of Terror which is like the zombie Geonosians episode, and they get to the, the Queen Hive Mind thing. Um, and then there's Brain Invaders, uh, which I find that these two, for me, and if you guys got the same vibes, for Legacy of Terror, first of all, got like Dawn of the Dead kind of vibes, like George Aramira zombies, but then Aliens a lot, because when they've got the beeper noises, and the motion sensors when they're walking through the thing, and there's a shot that's literally from Aliens, which is one of my, fa- my favourite sci-fi films ever, you know, and it's the wall And it's nothing. And then you see a movement, and it's like, oh, the wall is not the wall. The wall is something alive. And and that mixed with the Queen, a, you know, Geonosian. And I think the Geonosians were pretty, especially the the Queen's sort of head, quite heavily inspired by H.G. Geiger's, at least concept art, but most likely aliens, the xenomorphs themselves. And then Brain Invaders made me think of almost like the thing that kind of idea where you can't even see it, you don't even really know what's happening and then they get them alone and then they'll kind of turn you into it. So what do you both think? I'll go for you, Math, first. What do you think of these two sort of horror-centric uh, episodes?
2: Um, I, yeah, I, that bit when you when you actually... I mean, when you start seeing the Genosians keep popping up and they're zombified and it's like, we're striking them down but they're still getting back up again. This isn't right, there's something wrong. It's like, don't worry, Anakin, we'll solve this have you seen their fucking zombies and we can't what are we meant to do and like you know and like Obi-Wan's like don't worry about it and that I mean there's a bit as well I don't think it's in this episode or the previous one where I think Anakin does say that he's going to go off to go kind of warn everybody on his own and then let's split the party Obi-Wan does actually very cleverly say no let's stay together you've seen that um uh luminales. Been taken with, and and she's she's but she's but she's higher than obi-wan isn't she? She's a master, isn't
0: she? Everyone's a master at this point. He's, oh, on, the, right. he's okay. on the Jedi Council as well, I think. So he's actually as high as you can be, apart from Mace Windu and Yoda, who are the Grand right. Masters of the Jedi. But he, at this point, I believe he's on the Jedi Council so itself. they're both from the same level. Yeah, then? they're both masters. Right. I mean, she's older than him. Um, so she, she does, she's technically mature, and he has a lot of respect for her. And obviously, Obi Wan doesn't really, if if he knows someone who's older than him, more mature, he will respect them more. And I can't remember if Luminara actually ever goes on the council. Um, I think I think she does. Um, but I'm fairly certain that um, I know that Obi Wan does by the time of *Avenger the Sith*, at least.
2: Yeah, uh, but yeah, that that bit when you do see the queen, mm. um, and it, it's like. This this is just aliens. This is <laughs> yeah. this is amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I, I to spoil it a little bit. I kind of had a feeling I knew what was going to happen in this because I've read a comic where Vader spoilers. Vader goes back there in a comic further down the line, um, and you see what the Queen has been doing at that point. The, there is a thing that's mentioned as well. I think it might be in Brain Invaders the fact that. Um, with the with the worms, maybe they're what actually took over the Gnostics right at the start. Mm. So maybe the Gnostics are what they actually think they are because they've already been taken over by these these worms. Interesting.
0: Um, it's definitely an interesting perspective.
2: But but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it was a kind of a a, a a mind flayer alien kind of. whoa, this is quite quite something, and then. You get one of them who just happens to, you know, unfortunately get infected, and then next thing you know he's carrying all the eggs, you know, yeah. and that onto the onto the spaceship, and you think it. Oh. Obviously, someone's been watching Alien and Aliens before they started <laughs> writing this episode, but it, it works really well, mm-hmm. and it, it's the horror kind. And again, it's a kids' program, and it's done. It's not horror as such. Because we know the different context to it, there is a lot more to it. Whereas, I suppose, a kid will watch it and think, yeah, this is cool. And that, so they don't see that side of it. But we, we sit back and think, this is taken off a lot from other pop culture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is quite brutal. This is quite horror, scary. And that, fortunately, the kids aren't realising this. No, totally. But yeah, I mean, I, I love these couple. There is actually another episode that, in this arc, that I enjoyed more, but I, I really actually enjoyed this just for the kind of the, the 90, 80s, 90s vibes to it. And Dave,
0: what about you?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. And like you say, the, the initial genotions come across like the zombies, don't they? But then there's definitely more aliens after that. And I think it is, uh, you're right, I think kids are probably just watching and go oh it's a bit creepy or or whatever i might not even think that it's just uh whatever but i think when that first clone gets taken over by the worm the way the body kind of convulses and contorts and everything and then the eyes kind of roll to the back of the head and then come back you know like, oh. and we say don't we that you don't necessarily have to do live action for everything but wouldn't it be cool if you just had some kind of standalone, doesn't have to be a series or anything, just a one-off film you know, it's just explores you know, these people who stumble across Genosha or something like that, you know, I, I guess that would be kind of aliens, wouldn't it but, you know, if you did it well, it, you, you could explore that, but this is something I think you could really ramp up the horror on but uh, I think they probably got away with as much as they could in a in an animated show, and so yeah, I thought again this this is where they're obviously playing around with the the genres, really, you know in in the in the episodes. So yeah, I thought this was again a really solid arc.
0: Yeah, it's great. Um, Can I say
2: one more thing? Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. Go ahead. Um, I will point out the the um, episode seven,
0: uh, Legacy of Terror.
2: Yeah, um, the one where we see the Queen, yeah. and Obi-Wan is a bit of a dick there. It's like, let's rescue her. No, 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 let's just wait. I want to learn. I want to see. Will it go in the aim or will it go up the nose? And it's like, hang on a minute. She's going to get, if she gets taken over, and that, then they can control a Jedi. You guys are fucked. I th- I think well, he was look, doing that
1: totally in control of the situation though he he wasn't actually he was saying the words that he was seeing you know how it how it goes but i I kind of read it as no he's completely in control of this situation and he's almost like winding Anakin up saying he's oh, let's, ah,
0: let's see how it goes you know I, I think they could hear him because they say something and at one point the Queen reacts to something they say and I think he was saying mm. it so that they wouldn't attack him and so they'd let their guard mm. down a little bit because obviously he says you know Cody on my mark you know shine the lights and all that sort of stuff and then he's like no let's just see what happens and then the Juniors you know, just kind of let their guard down a little bit and then once the you know the the worm gets right near Luminara that's when he activates it so I think he was intentionally
2: yeah but I the reason it's like, let's see what happens all them, and I was like, let's not see what happens. I just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, I, 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 I maybe you're right. Maybe it's that like poker face it was. Just, you know, let's see how far. So we do actually see where it goes and what to kind of look out for, mm. uh, you know. But there's still, I think it's a bit of a dick move. Wasn't it? <laughs> you know, you're playing with someone else's life there a little bit. If if you've got this wrong you know, it could go sour for you very quickly.
0: Mm, And you start to find that, uh, you know, Kenobi's referred to as the negotiator by um, Grievous. And you see it in the Clone Wars movie where he speaks to that, I think there's a Scottish-voiced alien in the movie, and he sits down and chats with him. And it's like, that's kind of Obi-Wan's vibe as he kind of goes into battles, and he kind of, he goes... He really watches the enemy and sees what they do. Whereas Anakin is very much more reactive and trying to be unexpected. Whereas Obi-Wan is very much analyze and get details and get as close as you can. And then he's all about it's Obi-Wan's all about defense and Anakin's all about attack. And that's why, you know, Grievous is all about attack and Obi-Wan's about defense. And that's why Obi-Wan continually beats Anakin. Because Anakin is a better duelist. But because almost everyone in duels are trying to be the, the one on the offensive Whereas if mm. you're the defensive one, you only need one or two openings and, and you've got it, especially with the lightsaber.
2: But but that's like where you see with Obi-Wan, he, he, each time he fights someone, he learns. Yes. So he doesn't get beat again. So, you know, Anakin could do all these super duper moves and he's, like, he's a bit like Taskmaster from MC, you know, from Marvel. Each time he sees something, oh, I've learned that. I know how to, you know, and he combats it each time. So I suppose he's that, you know, Let's just take a moment, see how they react, and then I can react better to them.
0: And that's why he often loses against um, Dooku as well, because he can't... Obi-Wan is about leading people places. Throughout the whole of the Mustafar battle, he's he's constantly... He's walking backwards, and he is on the defensive, but he's leading Anakin, trying to... keep. He doesn't want to kill him, but he's... Anakin is on the offensive but Obi-Wan is leading him where he wants to go and uh, and he has plenty of opportunities to go for Anakin and he does do that when they're swinging on those ropes which does look a bit cheesy but when they're trying to cut each other's ropes they're swinging on and things like that and then you know Obi-Wan lands on that platform It's like well I've done it now you can't get to me I'm, I'm on lava and then Anakin jumps on that tiny little droid almost falling in and he's like he's always you know he's bringing the enemy to him So he's watching the enemy, the enemy's so focused on I'm trying to get Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's just like, all I need is one opening, and I like that he fights Grievous, I've I've actually got a note here, so Obi-Wan in the canon fights Grievous nine times uh, obviously Anakin never fights Grievous because they never meet until Revenge of the Sith, which I'm sure <laughs> when they're making the show, they were just like, For fuck's sake, George, why'd you put that line in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin meets Grievous, like, Oh, you're you're as I expected someone with your reputation to be older and they says Grievous, I thought you were gonna be taller. So because of that one that exchange, you can never have Anakin meet Grievous in the Clone Wars. So it's all, so they have to keep writing around, like, oh, Grievous, in one of the later episodes, like, in, in the next one, we're talking about Grievous intrigue. It's like, oh, Grievous is on this ship and Anakin is on this ship. Oh, they just swap places and they're never in the same place at once but Obi-Wan fights Grievous nine times in the canon. The first two times are in comics. One is in the Clone Wars Battle Tales, which is behind me, which I tackled in uh, comics and canon before Christmas. And the other one is in the Dark Horse Hyperspace Stories, which is an anthology collection. I've not tackled that on the show. So it's Hyperspace Stories first, then the Clone Wars Battle Tales novel, um graphic uh, well, graphic novel collection of comics. Then it's the Clone Wars animated movie, and then it's another five times in the Clone Wars, I think, and it might be one more in a book or something, but I think it's five times the Clone Wars, and again in Revenge of the Sith. So you get a lot of the times. So when he actually beats Grievous, eventually in Revenge of the Sith, he's already fought him eight times before. You know, some battles are longer but he's than others. Learned. He does eventually learn because Grievous it, it all could attacked. be
2: just a, a bit of homework. He was just kind of preparing before <laughs> he finally goes. You know, I'm going to beat this exam and do him now.
0: So we're. We're getting now the last three episodes. Um, these are the the individual episodes. So we've got um, Grievous Intrigue, The Deserter, and Lightsaber Lost. So obviously I think Matthew really enjoyed Lightsaber Lost, so we'll get you to talk about that in a bit. But I know that Dave is really um, into The Deserter, so we'll get him to speak about that. But Grievous Intrigue, I've got a little bit of information about this one, so I'll, I'll kind of take the, the helm on this one a little bit. Um, so it's all about Eth Koth. So Eeth Koth um, is actually a character um, who is a Jedi Council member, but by the time of, Re- of Revenge of the Sith... He has left the Jedi Order. He appears in the Clone Wars once or twice more from memory, um, but he then just kind of disappears. He leaves the Order. And funnily enough, Math, he shows up in the Darth Vader comics that you're reading. And I was hoping you'd have started reading them by the time we start this, because he does show up again. Now, there there is a council member who looks very similar to Eeth Koth, who's called Agent Kolar. And what it was is in Attack of the Clones, they had one actor... Uh, put on uh, Zabrak makeup, which is the species. Uh, and then they got a different actor to try and put on and they looked quite different. So they call them a different character. And so when you see Agent Cola, he's one of the people, um, I'm fairly certain, with Mace Windu, who goes to fight Palpatine and just dies immediately. Um, so we get to see and there's another character which is in the grievous intrigue episode which is um adi gallia and adi gallia is on later on in the clone wars and but she was in attack of the clones and then when they tried to get the same actress to play her in revenge of the sith they didn't they got someone else but they couldn't get the character to look identical. So you'll find a lot of the times in the movies, they actually have a character that looks almost identical to another character, same species and everything, but they call them different names. Sometimes they even say they're related. So Adi Gallia is related to Stas Ali. They're cousins in canon. And Stas Ali gets killed in the Order 66 montage in Avengers of the Sith. So you get all these weird things where you've got like a character that's in Attack of the Clones and then a character looks really similar in Avengers of the Sith, but actually completely different. And the Clone Wars is their way of kind of flushing out what on earth is going on here because of actors changing and looking different in different makeup so that was just like a a fun little thing that i want to note here uh, for some sort of canon knowledge uh, but this is another grievous centric episode you know it shows that he's against the jedi still obviously he's very sadistic he captures eth koth and just wants to torture him and eth koth in the hollow recording kind of does hand movements and obi-wan can read it and then finds the star charts and they go and Basically, uh, save him. So, what do you guys think of Grievous in this one? if there are any uh, comments, Math? I'll go to you first. Any thoughts about Grievous in this one? Because obviously, we saw him, we've seen him bits and pieces around. Um, are you liking him more? Is he still just kind of cookie cutter for you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. It,
2: it, it feels like we should get more from him. I don't know. It, it, it just it feels like as if he could do more and he could take him on a bit better. But it it it's like he's always been
0: held back a little bit. Because he's a coward. That's why. Yeah, yeah, he's so scared of losing. That's that's basically his MO. You notice he he flees every single confrontation he's ever been in. If you, yeah, you he- so far and in the movie, he's he's always running away. And that's what they say in the film. They go, Oh, Grievous is just gonna kind of run away like he always does. Every confrontation, he just he escapes.
2: I suppose that's fair. It's that thing of you feel that he's got the upper hand at certain points, and then he just it it just seems to just turn mm-hmm. and that and it's like I suppose he's pick, picking his battles. He, he doesn't want to lose a battle. So he's, he's choosing who he fights and how he fights him and make sure that he's, he outnumbers everybody and that. But I, I don't know. I just feel he's never hits his full potential.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, that. and I yeah. think he's becoming more of in, in the movies, again, I've, I've not seen him often for, for many years than going back and watching them. But I just, I always remembered him being more of a, a presence mm-hmm. and i think in this you see like you've said that he's a coward he's more of a it's a big bad name but there's no kind of there's nothing from him really he, i don't think it's as scary as what they keep trying to make out what he is
0: yeah yeah you don't get to see as much in this in the micro series i mentioned the legends micro series mm-hmm. the grievous in that I don't think the years almost any dialogue he is ruthless and brutal there's one scene he kills like 10 jedi he just takes them all on at once. But but, but the thing is, I'd watch that and I'd kind of think, that do not seem right because he doesn't do this in, in, in any of this. Well, that was the, the micro series came up before any of this. So it was Attack right. of the Clones came out and the micro series came out to kind of promote Revenge of the Sith. Then he was in Revenge of the Sith, um, which you get to see him a little bit, but really just he kind of fights Obi Wan. That's all we kind of see from him. And I thought if I made Revenge of the Sith, the way I'd have opened it is have Grievous kill. Um, one of the members of the Jedi Council. I mean, he's meant to kill... Shark T dies five times Um, in... There's a de- there's two deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith. I think one wasn't filmed and one was of Shark T dying. Uh, one was Anakin killing her, and the other one was, went after audio 66, and the other one was Grievous killing her on the ship at the start. And then she also dies in... There's the Force Unleashed games, um, which are legends. And then there's one other legend's way of her dying. And then there's the actual canon way that she dies. And so you're just like, how how are there five ways of this one that we've never actually seen on screen either um there's one later clone wars episode that very lightly hints at it and that's kind of the canon explanation as to how she died we think um but it's it's a bit of a mess and i'm just like if they would just started it with him fighting shark T, and him like clearly just decimating her then we'd have, Ranger the Sith* would have kicked off. Yeah. Go, God, who's this guy? Uh, What's happening thing. with him? But it, he just doesn't. He's just there, he runs away, and then nobody tracks him down, fights him a bit, and then kills him. And you're like... If, if you're going to have a big bad guy,
2: have a big bad guy, and have him so that you, when you see him on screen, his presence is felt, and you think, oh, it means business. He, he, he's going to take some names. Not a guy who just, you know, he's going to climb across the roof and run away and, you know, scatter down the...
0: Well, they could have also started it, if they just started Revenge of the Sith again, if with him in maybe a battle with someone else, him just about winning but almost dying, and it shows him when he was the Kaleesh warrior. If Revenge of the Sith had a flashback of like this Kaleesh warrior fighting and then being defeated by Jedi, getting mutilated, then being put into a suit like Darth Vader, it could have shown some very clear, you know... <laughs> Uh, parallels there but they don't do that with grievous and then it's just all slightly hinted at that the grievous was kind of a prototype to vader when people in straight after order 66 confront vader there's moments i think in some of the comics where there's a mention of grievous kind of that's the thought Um, but i want to ask dave what do you kind of what do you think of grievous like in that regard yeah i I think he's a bit of a stalwart as well i
1: i think I mean, even if I think about him in Attack of the Clones, and he's got multiple lightsabers spinning away, and I mean, you're thinking... of Sith, yeah. Uh, sorry, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I said Attack of the Clones, didn't I? Uh, spinning away then okay, Obi-Wan wins, but you're like, oh yeah, he was, he was sort of a bit lucky there. So you're thinking, like, Grievous should be this absolute murderous machine. Um, and he always sort of yeah, he falls short. What I did like about it, though, is he kind of showed himself that he's not really allied to the Sith. Mm-hmm. He just really hates the Jedi, <laughs> you know, and that that's what he is motivating uh, for him. So he's not particularly bothered even about the war, just what for whatever reason he hates the Jedi. So I don't know. Again, is that this? discovered or explored anywhere
0: before in the in the prior season it's very, it's hinted at mm. uh, in the Grievous', grievous lair in in legends it's it's packed out a lot more but in canon mm-hmm. i think it's been confirmed in visual dictionaries it's basically just he was a member of the species, the Kalish. He was like this warrior. Cause, cause Megan always asked me about Grievous. Cause she's like, what happened to him again? It's like, yeah, there's drips and drabs and <laughs> like different bits across the canon. You basically have to read the Wikipedia page to fully get it. But it's essentially, he was part of the species Kalish. He was this amazing warrior who was basically unbeatable in his world then him and his species decide to kill the other species on the planet and basically commit like a genocide almost slaughter the jedi got wind of this i think it was before the clone wars um a a little while before the clone Wars. i think between phantom menace and attack of the clones i think jedi Mm. go down there stop the, the the genocide the slaughter beat grievous easily because using the force and stuff and then he becomes so jaded with that that he then hates all Force users and then volunteers to have himself cybernistically changed to be able to fight Force users and then has a deal with Dooku but I'm like why of all the Clone Wars there's no more the Grievous Lair from season one is the most backstory we get about Grievous in the canon That mm. not like a visual dictionary and I'm like why is it not just a comic series about Grievous? Five issues, just a couple before Clone Wars, a couple during Clone Wars, and then one like maybe just before his interaction with Obi Wan, his kind of thoughts, his internal monologue before fighting him. Like that would be so cool. We get one mm. one shot comic um, where he gets kind of a Force vision, and it kind of explains his jealousy of like not being Force sensitive really, and his desperation for it. Thinking sort of
1: like the Mandalorians, isn't it? You know, Not they developed similar. all of their technology and everything to be able to compete with the Jedi. Hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: You see, I mean, the ship has sailed a little bit now. To, I suppose they could still do quite but
0: well, it's the year it's it, the anniversary of Attack of the Clones, twenty-fifth year this year. So in three years' well, time, so, it will be the twenty-fifth anniversary of Revenge of the Sith. So that—that
2: that would, and then it would probably probably perfect to do something, but. If we'd have just had one episode for the Clone Wars at some point just showing Grievous, where he came from and him taking out Jedi's because, again, it's just all kind of oh, you know that Grievous, he's a bad guy. Yeah, but is he really? Because on screen, he doesn't seem that way. And it's just...
0: He's like a pantomime villain. You know, it, it, you just don't fear him. Yeah. And the problem is with that Clone Wars micro series, which I say, probably give that a go. When when you finish the season of the Clone Wars, the next part, if you're waiting for us to, to record and things, give it a go because it's worth a watch. It's got some quite cool stuff in it. But the thing is, what's weird is, and this is another reason why people who say that the Legends continuity was all clean are just full of rubbish. George Lucas had a little bit of a touch on the micro series, the 2D animated Clone Wars, which has Grievous in and this lots of other stuff. But there's no Ahsoka, there's no Padawan of, of Anakin's. Uh, but you see his Jedi trials. You see how he, you know, kind of does that. There's like an introduction to Asage Ventress. So this Clone Wars series does technically follow the Clone Wars micro series. So there are. It's kind of like it's like you know the 2003 Hulk movie and the Incredible Hulk movie. Like, the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie follows the events of the Eric Banner 2003 Hulk movie because they reference things in there. General Ross is the same. They don't go through the origin story again. It is a sequel to that. But in the MCU canon, it's the Hulk Eric Banner one does is not canon. It's a really weird thing. That's what it's like with the Clone Wars micro-series because the Clone Wars, this animated series, the 3D one, references elements of the micro-series lightly and there's events that continue on from it. But it also does contradict it. But it was made before the continuity reset, so it's this weird place where this there are parts of the clone the series that do contradict it directly, and it was before there was a canon reset. But also, there are things that do follow on when the canon is reset, and you're like, I "Why is this <laughs> such a mess?" <laughs> um, but Grievous kills a lot in that. That was my point. He 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 kills a lot, and I think that's kind of where they were going for. But then. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll move on to the penultimate episode of this half of episodes, and I want to give the uh, baton to Dave because th- if I'm right, this is your favorite episode, Dave, of this season. I'm trying to think. How do you know that? Because I was,
1: I was going to drop that in our group chat, and I thought, no, you no,
2: you did. It, you said
1: something in our group chat. Ah bollocks! Maybe and I was films. drunk. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> obviously, uh, rubbish at playing poker. Then, so yeah, uh, hands down for the for this as far as we've got at least. This is my favourite episode, mm-hmm. and I know I I, I thought dropped, I dropped. I remember dropping something about uh, the deserter's wife
0: and uh you, you didn't say it was your favorite you i'm looking at the messages sorry you all you said was i'm watching episode 10 the deserter and my word the deserter's wife looks like did we say the whole thing she's off the fantasy channel or something like that it would have been because <laughs> what she was like wearing that. was like it was just like two strong of... and
1: summers or something yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so so yeah so i didn't put it was my favorite episode but you are right it absolutely is and I love the way it explores that idea and challenges Rex in terms of... Well, I see it doesn't just challenge Rex, it challenges us as the viewers. Because we've been seeing the clones as just these cannon fodder. You know, they're not the Jedis, they're just kind of there. They're like these mock stormtroopers, you know, but they're all... You know, they all come from Django Fef. So they're all the same, you know, copy and paste all, all, all over and over again. So you don't really think of them as living, breathing people. And I think this episode is the first time when you really see that. You know, so even though before they, you've got the clones, they've got their different kind of personalities and stuff, you don't see them as people. They're just soldiers. They're just, that is their duty and that's what they're bred for. And so, I think you know when you get to find out the backstory of, of this deserter, and, and Rex is like, "Oh, well, you know, it's this disgusting." And then he explains it. He's like, "You know, we were all just mowed down, getting getting murdered essentially, and then and then I just ran, and then I ended up starting to build this life." It's actually uh, once Matthew done with the the Vader comics, I think. Uh, completely different comic run i can recommend is probably peter david's x factor because in that they've got uh this this guy so he's a mutant um multiple man and he makes duplicates of himself and he actually appears i think it's in x3 uh you know which wasn't a great movie but here he sort of uh has this idea that he creates the duplicates and then they go off and like you know learn some stuff, you know, maybe have a little bit of a life, and then come back and he reabsorbs them, and then he knows all the things that they've gone off and learned about and and this kind of remind or this idea of the clones you know starting off from that same point, but they are living, breathing. People just because they all started off with the same building blocks, should they really be denied that right to just live and have a life? I don't know, but I think the fact that it
0: explores this, I, I think, was brilliant absolutely brilliant. Well, I want to say before you Mav's thoughts on this, this is why when we finish with Clone Wars conversations, we're going to get into the Bad Batch because I know you didn't, mm-hmm. you, you weren't as fast on the Bad Batch, and like there's a lot more filler in the Bad Batch. But there's a couple of standalone episodes, I won't say anything about them, but what you've just spoken about is that idea, but after the Clone Wars, and it goes some pretty mm. intense places, which right. I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but what do you think of The Deserter then, Math? What are your thoughts on this? Just, I, I I did, I like this. Um,
2: I, I like the bit when the kid went, your face looks like my daddy. And it's like, that, that's a bit when he went, ah, oh, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, all right, the the episode title kind of gave me a bit of a, something, obviously, there must be a clone trooper somewhere, but, you kind of feel for him when it's that point, like Dave says, he sees that all his friends, all his brothers, they're getting mowed down, it's like, I got scared and I ran, and you, you think, I don't blame you, you know, war is scary, not every, you know, we see throughout the these episodes, you know, the troopers getting kind of, you know, just taken down and just dying all over the place. And no outcome to that, you know, kind of PTSD, no nothing like that until you get here. And he kind of says, he saw this happening, he got scared and he ran and he set up a new life because, and, you know, Rex is kind of against that at first. And that, but then he kind of, he, like you said at, at the start of the episode, um, he he learns, and he, you know, he, he obviously don't turn him in, and it's good to see this point where you know not everyone could handle this, you know, it, for the kids, you know, we keep saying this today, uh, for a kids program, it has got so many layers. The fact that you know, yeah. War is scary and war is, you know, it, not everyone can handle it. And just because, you know, we're seeing lots of people getting more down, some people are going to be traumatised from that. And him running away and starting up a new life and thinking he's away from this on, on a minute little island, uh, little planet that no one's probably going to come to. You know, it's just unfortunate that Vex gets a big shot in the chest. Um, that They kind of discover him. And that, so it, it's... It's another one of those episodes that technically it's a filler episode, but there's a lot more to it when you start kind of breaking it down.
0: Yeah, I think with episodes like this, um, it's easy for standalone episodes, I think, to be called filler, I think especially in season one. And like with this one, you know, the Grievous episode was cool. I liked it, but I think that was filler. It, it didn't add anything to the plot, unfortunately. It was kind of cool thing about Eve Koff, and again, Obi-Wan fighting Grievous, but it wasn't it was it wasn't necessary. And then I, I know we're going to talk about Lightsaber Lost in a minute, but that is also quite throwaway. But what's key about that is the lesson that Ahsoka learns. And I think in this one, this is, this is all about Rex. This is Rex's growth as a character, where he starts to be more individual. And you'll see there are points where he and Cody start to diverge a little bit, and you kind of see why. Because Cody follows the rules, as with Obi Wan all the time, and Rex is with Anakin and Ahsoka all the time, who do not follow rules, and they have little conversations every now and then where it's kind of they're kind of jibing at each other um, because you know Rex is with the crazy Jedi, whereas uh, Kobe, uh, Cody's with the really calm, almost boring Jedi. Um, but but that's quite... like that's like a circle balance. Yes, exactly. It's, it's the There's a lot kind of, of thing. parallels there. Yeah, you Obi
2: you know, teachers showing you two different ways. So again, it shows you that layer of the clones—the fact that although you know, yeah, they're all from the same kind of DNA, mm-hmm. the because they're with different people and they hang out with different people, they're getting their own personality. I mean, I've not looked into the Bad Batch really that much.
0: Don't do um, it. Yeah, don't do it until you finish this. <laughs> and obviously, you've just mentioned
2: about us watching it. So, but I do know that. It's the the five of them, I think. There's a handful, yeah. And they're all slightly different. And they all... I think I've seen a picture and they all look a little bit different, don't they?
0: Yes, yeah.
2: So I I don't know whether they are actually still clones. Again, we'll get them at some point. But again, he's seeing how they're all evolving. Although they are all clones as such, they're evolving into their own people. Mm -hmm. They just have the same face, pretty much.
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's one of those and i think that there's a couple of more clone episodes that do come up that that there's a there's an arc about the clones later on which is one of the best arcs in the whole season and there's not a jedi in sight so they're building to that but they they can't start with lots of heavy clone stuff they're kind of getting you drips and drabs of it um and in this there's a there's a clone called jesse as well there's jesse and kicks are the two other clones in this episode um who are, who are named you know aside from uh, rex and jesse is actually a character that also shows up later Kix does as well for my knowledge um but jesse ct5597 um he is a quite a major character um, he comes into it um later on as well i believe that this was his first appearance but he does come up in some of the more uh important arcs so remember the name jesse um, I think if I explained to Dave who he was, it would obviously spoil a lot of stuff for you, math. But if I explained to Dave who he was, you'd be like, oh, it's that guy. Uh, and then Kix as well. Uh, Kix has been in, I think, similar arcs as well. There's like, there's a couple of clone arcs where you'll see a lot of named clones. and You go, oh, it's Jesse. Oh, it's Kix. Oh, it's Fives. Oh, it's, you know, Echo. Oh, it's this. And there's a couple of flashbacky ones. Rookies was one of them. And you see the squad. And then you, you see them kind of appear. And there's two major clone centric arcs. And a lot of these named clones are all in them. And it's just really cool with this very subtle, slow build to these elements. And it happens with other characters well, you know Kit Fisto appeared in uh, one of these episodes as well. And he he pops up every now and then. Obviously, Luminara has been in it a bit more. And it's all these kind of side characters which are, which are really, really interesting. And I'm very excited to to get to those. Um, so is there anything else to name about this before we get on to the final um, episode of Lightsaber Lost?
1: Uh, not without repeating myself, just absolutely loved it, and and again, I have uh, found it hard in some of the episodes. So, well, not not hard. That, that's the wrong way to put it. But I've been enjoying it without loving it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And again, I I think the. Different elements of this will resonate with different people, but that just very human idea of of just, you know, being unique and Mm. and having that right to life. I I think that that's what resonated with me and, and it reminded me that, you know, coming up, those are some of
0: my favorite episodes coming up as well. It's very exciting. Well, Math, should we pass the baton to you? So is this... Obviously, people watching on the video version of this at youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. You can see our lovely faces and both Dave and Math's amazing backdrops. But Maths, your background is a screenshot from Lightsaber Lost featuring Ahsoka Tano, Tira Sanube, and Jocasta Nu. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this episode and was it your favourite of this season or so far? What are your thoughts on this? What's kind of made you highlight this one to us? I quite enjoyed this. And I think, again, it,
2: it's one of those throwaway ones, but it, it teaches a so a lesson. Um, but again, I, I was kind of going over uh, this afternoon look at what, we, what we've watched. I kind of thought, this is one that kind of keeps coming back to and that. There's some, the obvious ones would be go to the Aliens one, but I think this has quite got a few layers to it. Ashoka loses her lightsaber. She doesn't want to tell Anakin that she's just lost a lightsaber. He's going to absolutely flip at her. Um, and she ends up going up to the archives and she's like, uh, I think she goes to Jocasta first and she's the one who kind of says, go and talk to, to Sunub. Sunub, is
0: that Sunub. Tirah right? Sunubay.
2: It's uh, written Sunub, but yeah, Sunube. Um And she, she kind of says, look, you know, I've lost a lightsaber. What am I going to do? And... He's that kind of, like, calm down, let's just take it steady, let's go. And you can see that she's rush, rush, rush. And it's a point when he's like, come on, you know, I know my way around these things, don't worry, we'll go and investigate it. And you can just feel like she's trying to just dash forward and he's just, like, trying to pull her back all the time. And the amusing thing is, it's like she's running a... Ahead, and it's like one of those scenes in a horror film when you've got Michael Myers following you and you're running as fast as you can, and they just plodding very slowly behind you, and all of a sudden he appears next, and it's like, How? But it 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 it, he's showing the look, less haste, more speed, you know, less speed, more haste, kind of thing. It slow down and you'll get there. When you start to rush, you start to make mistakes, but we also see you know, when they go and investigate, you know,
0: when the, the I think they track down the, where the, um, the, the fish guy, is. the fish yeah. guy took the lightsaber and then sold it on.
2: To uh, Cassius Carey, um,
0: but they, they first go
2: to Ion um, and she's like this. She's got weird, like eyes that kind of blink. Her eyes freak me out, yeah, because yeah. they're,
0: they're like they're not vert, they're not horizontal; they're vertical instead. I, I won't say what they kind of look like, but um,
2: <laughs> yeah, the the, the strange kind of whispering eyes, if you know what that is from. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, she, she yeah, I don't know. There, there was something about it. I thought, oh, she's not quite on the level. Which it turns out she's not, and she's in cahoots with this other character. Who, again, you'll know this. Is that a mask that she's wearing over her face or is that just part of her... To be anyways? honest, I thought the
0: same thing. I honestly wasn't sure. Um, I didn't look it up. Um, no, I didn't know what... But... She was called a something like a tango roof jumper or something. Um, yeah. I'll have a little gander, um, but I'll, I'll find out. But, I mean,
2: it, it, as it comes apart, it, obviously these were in the relationship together, which I thought is... Again, you're in a kid's thing and you're showing... I mean, you've got different, not only different species, but you've also, you know, you've got same, I would say they're probably same-sex I think they're both female, it, yeah. It's an awkward one, you know, are they female? Are they, you know, how does it work with all these different aliens? I'm not sure. But, again, considering this is, you know, 2009, and that, you know, people are still in a bit of the dark ages at times of, a, you know, same-sex relationships, it's showing that these two are kind of together and the fact that, you know, they're just trying to make a better thing for themselves and having a lightsaber, selling it on could really make them something. There is a point where um, Cassie's kind of got a a twilight, I think, and her daughter kind of held hostage and it's like stay back. And you can see her kind of shaking a little bit. as she's you know, it's an empty threat sucker knows Gnosis, but again, it's that kind of learn the lesson of slow and steady and you'll get it back and you you, you know, and when she kind of gets back and, you know, she's back with her Anakin and it's like, you, you're all right there, Snips is like, yeah, yeah, nothing's happened, you know, can go about your days if, you know, there's been this whole adventure going on. And obviously, Anakin has, has paid no attention to where she is and this thing thing's going on during the day. But it is a lesson for her to learn that she has to sometimes just stop. You know, a bit of an Obi-Wan kind of lesson, you know, pay attention to what's going on around you.
0: I I, um, just, I thought more Yoda in on Dagobah. That's, that, that's the vibes I was getting. Yoda from Empire Strikes Back um but dave what did you think of this episode because obviously your fate was a deserter but like did you like this much of math did you find it was a bit more fillery what are your thoughts on this one i thought it was a lot more filler
1: (laughs) to be honest and i thought you've done it again you you've finished the season in the weirdest way you know just this absolute throwaway episode which okay you get a little bit of a payoff you know she learns a lesson I'm sure in about five seconds of dialogue, she could have, (laughs) because she learned about slowing down and, and the guy is almost like, it reminds me of an old cartoon, like droopy dog, Mm. where someone's trying to run away from droopy dog. And he just, he just always reappears just there, you know, even though he's tremendously slow. So, yeah, I, I just didn't feel like there was anything to it. Now, Interesting. I, I I don't think they really, because I I thought the same thing. I thought are these in a, a same sex lesbian relationship? But I don't think they explicitly said that. They just happened to be two women working together. And I was thinking, is that, uh, do I have a bias here? Do do, do I just uh, am I making an assumption? So I don't, I don't know if they they were or not. But you know clearly they they didn't like the Jedi, and I I guess it it does. It does make you question, you know. Again, this idea that everyone does—everyone love the Jedi. Well, no, they don't, you know. So, so I guess they played around with that that a little bit. But yeah, it just I guess having gone through most of the season where you've had these multi-episode arcs and touching on these really complex issues, I just felt this. I, I just
0: didn't need it at all. What's interesting is, I, I looked this. I just looked this up, um, is the, the season was split in two, but it wasn't split in half like we've done. So interestingly enough, Brain Invaders was the finale of the first half. That aired the 4th of December 2009, and then mm. there was about a month gap, and then Grievous Intrigue and The Deserter both dropped on the 1st of January, 2010. Then Lightsaber Lost aired three weeks later, and then it continued its uh, sort of weekly run. So oddly enough, what it kind of was was the, the whole Geonosis arc and the first three-episode arc, mm. that was one collection. Then you had the two standalone episodes, Grievous Intrigue and The Deserter. And then Lightsaber Loss was kind of it was almost like a soft premiere of the second half of the season, which, again, it's, it is an odd choice. This feels more like a season one episode. yeah. And I like it, and I I think that this episode in the long term – will actually show how Ahsoka is quite different from Anakin in a lot of ways, where she is quite foolhardy and she spends a lot of time with Anakin and not enough time probably with Obi-Wan to kind of, you know, ease her down a bit. She's a bit too Anakin-like, and Tira can kind of pick up on that. I think it's an... In- I do like that Math likes it a lot, but this is an episode I actually didn't even show Megan on the first watch. This I skipped this one, and I think I skipped Grievous Intrigue as well, but I, I showed her the des- Deserter on our original watch because Deserter is quite an important episode just for clones. But I found that although I did really enjoy this one and me and Mega both agreed we enjoyed it, it was one that if you were trying to do the essential watch of Clone Wars, I don't think this episode would actually be it. I think you could argue The Deserter could be, but I think that of the three, probably Grievous Intrigue is the most throwaway. Then this one, then probably The Deserter, I'd say. Even though it's still good.
2: Uh, I wonder if maybe when they were setting out the season and thinking, right, we need 22 episodes. Shit, we've got 19. Um What were left on the cut room for season one, we'll put these three. I do wonder whether they could have maybe expanded on The Deserter, or maybe they should have tried to get another three-episode arc in this spot for these three
0: maybe well the next few are going to be
2: arcs so I, yeah. had,
0: a, I had a quick glance but, um, but
2: that's the weird thing is you've got an arc and an arc and then you've got three random episodes and then we've got some arcs coming up again
0: yeah so I think loosely um I won't see what happens in it and stuff but basically the next three episodes on season two they are an arc then you've got what seems to be three individual episodes then you've got a two episode arc and then a three episode arc so, so it's actually, what's weird about this is when it was released, when it was released in 2009, the first eight episodes, that was just two quite big arcs, a three and a five. And then you've got the two random episodes that start of January, then you've got Lightsaber Lost, then you've got an arc, random episodes, and then arc and arc. It, it I, I feel like almost what I'm, it's weird they haven't done this. I would have thought you've done an arc, a one-off, an arc, a one-off, an arc, a one-off. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that would have for me be a way to break it apart a little bit. Um, just in case I missed an episode or something or whatever. But it does just seem like they've kind of gone, right, we've got these four big arcs sorted. Let's just <laughs> randomly throw episodes in areas. I don't know if maybe the viewing numbers would have been shown that right near Christmas and the start of New Year, they're the episodes that are the least likely going to be watched. Because obviously this is 2009, this is before streaming. This The only place you could watch these was Cartoon Network. At the, and Yeah, because Disney hadn't acquired it. So it's just Cartoon Network, and I think... I know Rebels, they started to show on Disney XD. I, f- I feel like they might have shown some of the late episodes of Clone Wars on Disney XD before the Lucasfilm thing was agreed, but because it's just a place to air the episodes in a way. But I wonder if just because of where they showed... Because I know with other the things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and etc., there are times where episodes are going to show at the similar time of like a major sporting event. Or you know oh yeah we said we were only making 20 episodes but actually we need to make 22 or there's actually an arc which i think is in season three which is all water related and they just didn't have the animation um they it took so long to make those i think that the original plan was them to be in season two and then they're like this is too much work we can't we literally can't do this. We need See, a lot more time to do it. And then that's why the animation kind of gets an upgrade in Series 3 because there's so many things where they couldn't really do, if you know what I mean, either time-wise or otherwise.
2: I, I do wonder if they'd done a lot of standalone episodes because, to be fair, all three of these will fit anywhere, to be fair, because yeah. nothing's reference. you know. So maybe they just did a lot of standalone episodes and it's like, where do we fit? in? like you said, maybe because the uh, the end of the burn invaders start December, and then you've got nothing because Christmas is there. So, the kids are off school and what have you. You know, lots is going on during August. So maybe the thought viewing figures probably not the best. Let's test these out. Start of January, these two. Uh, just wait a little bit longer. Test another one out, and then kind of go into the season again.
1: I I wonder if they have, you know, so for live action stuff, they have two crews, don't they? You have like your, I don't know what you call them, but I'm sure there's like a primary crew where all the the kind of main actors are. And then you have a second crew um, with like stunt people and stuff like that. So you can, you can parallelize things you you don't have to run everything sequentially i i wonder if you've got almost two teams of animators and you know you've got these ideas you know um i don't know if you guys have ever watched a documentary where it follows basically matt stone and trey parker
0: to do uh, a star oh. wars episode the, the um, south park like the the star wars south yeah it's like, wars, it's se- park, it's yeah. <laughs> like seven it's got like six or seven day turnaround isn't it and it's yeah. like yeah yeah i've seen that it's really so cool so they
1: do they do uh, or, or did uh, an episode a week and everyone at the time like, how the hell do they get this stuff, this current stuff out so quickly? And they almost have, like, if anyone's in software development, you'll, you'll recognize it almost as a sprint. So they have this seven-day sprint. But they always come into it with ideas. So they might discuss something, and, right, it's not right for this. So we'll put that on the ideas board almost, and and if nothing's happening in the mainstream media or we're a bit, you know, we will go to that board for some ideas. And I I wonder if it's almost a bit like that with this, where, you know, we've got an idea for a standalone episode doesn't really fit particularly anywhere. So let's let's just work on that. And then, you know, you've got people who work on the more ambitious kind of multi episode arcs, because if you think about it, just, planning wise that that would be quite tricky wouldn't it you know because each episode still has to have that start middle and end you've got to script it all you've got to you know storyboard it all out you've got to get your voice actors in you've got to get your animators and stuff and so it, it has to be planned quite far ahead to to actually execute on all that stuff so maybe it's the only way I can rationalize it in my head is that, you know, you almost have this team focused on these standalone episodes, which are almost like floaters that you can put anywhere in the season.
0: Yeah, I do wonder that because I was just uh, looking on IMDb again. I was just seeing who the writers and things are of certain episodes. And it seems like George Lucas did write a few of these as well as a Drew uh, Z. Greenberg. And there's different directors for each of the different episodes. So I do wonder if it is kind of like that yeah and and i think the writers
1: that get credited as well are not not always the you know you have a lot of interns and stuff you have a lot of people cutting their teeth and yep. so a lot of the grunt work is done by these people who aren't necessarily credited mm-hmm. um
0: so so who knows like what what goes on there well because feloni did quite a lot in the clone wars but if, if looking at the earlier seasons like he didn't he didn't write as many. It was George Lucas at the start of this really had a lot more of a hand in it. And it was George Lucas, Drew Z Greenberg looking just through the last few episodes of, um, clone Wars series two that the standalone ones that we were talking about, I was just looking at that. And then I was just seeing if brain invaders was different. So there's a different director and a couple of different writers. Mm. So yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was one of those things where, they almost said, right, here's a season of the Clone Wars. We've got 22 episodes to fill. Right, Filoni, Mm. you've got five episodes. Do what you want with them. Okay, and then uh, Drew, you and George work together. We want to get a couple of these ones going. Okay, and then you, we want an episode on this. You can try that. If if this episode goes well and you work this, we'll give you two episodes next season. You know, I do wonder, and so they probably kind of all went off and they all had different, because I imagine you wouldn't give like a newbie of Star Wars writing the five episode arc of Geonosis. That's that's (laughs) heavy lifting. Whereas if you give them a lightsaber like, lost episode, it's like, well, if it's not that amazing, it's not the end of the world. We've just supervisors over it saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, etc. You know, it's interesting. And again, you you almost have a an architect, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. yeah. I, mean,
1: I mean, you could, you could say, right, the uh, characters are going to be, you know, these characters. Um, I I tell you what I. I, I didn't realize Jacosta knew was in so much like she's a character that i didn't really pay any attention to and it's probably through like the vader comics and stuff where i've started to know her more and more it's like she pops up multiple times in this season but Yeah, you've kind of got these characters you play with i mean this is how they do it in the comics you know you can play with you know any of these characters you can't do anything with these characters because we're doing stuff with them um key message is this go and then the 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 intern writer or whatever will do the dialogue and all the grunt bits but um Yeah, I just suspect – so even though George Lucas is down there as the writer and stuff like that, I I would think even at at that point he would be the architect. He would be the one, you know, sort of talking the big ideas but then actually plotting out scene to scene. It it would have been, you know, more junior people.
0: From what Filoni said, I think that was the case. It was kind of like, you know, there's a lot of Mandalorian stuff that starts to happen in the Clone Wars and Filoni was kind of like, like, look, George Lucas said – yeah, you know, Anakin's got a pad on, has he? Yes, it's a very core cool part of his personality, and this is why. And then, oh yeah, there's a Mandalorian stuff going on. Here's what's happening at Mandalore at the time. Here's what's going on here. Why are they not in this stuff? Why are they in here? Why are they known as warriors, but we never see them fight in the movies? There's a reason for that. Here's the reason. Okay, here's the idea. Now you make it work and come back to me, and I'll tell you if everything's fine. And sometimes Filoni yeah. would go to him with like, "Here's a script," and George would go, mm, "No, that doesn't make sense." And Felony's, mm-hmm. "Yeah, does," and he goes, "No, because of this random bit of lore." And Flo's like, we've never told you on that before, ever. Yeah. <laughs> and George Lucas is like, nope, it's just, that's what it is, go ahead. And it, that's kind it, of it where- don't my head. Well, that's where Anakin's yeah. Padawan came from, because Filoni questioned George on this. He's like, you know, and obviously Maul comes back, you know, as we all know. And oh, Flo's like, but, but, you know, this happens. <laughs> and you're like, but but, and George is like, well, this is it. And George is just the one who's got the through line of these ideas. And when he has the ideas, that mo- most of them are really good. But when we get to it, George has a specific favourite arc of the Clone Wars- and it's a really weird arc um it's i don't know if you remember this uh, dave it's about the dro- it's really droid centric it's all about the droids and then one it's like droids in the desert is kind of the loose theme of it um there's it's a four part arc and it's unusual and it's not like anything else really and it's not a bad arc it's got some alright bits in it but it's quite long and it doesn't really add that much, and it's Lucas's favourite by a country mile. And you're thinking, you've got all these arcs that change. Star Wars, you've got these emotional beats, and you just want this basically silly little droid adventure, and that's your favourite. And it's just like... I, don't- I mean, uh, I,
1: again, uh, talking about this entourage of helpers that you have, I, I kind of feel like... Lucas has occasionally caught this lightning in a bottle, but Mm -hmm. the fact that he completely misreads, I mean, he he still, you know, thought Jar Jar Binks was going to be this massive success. He oversaw things like Caravan of Courage. You know, his judgment is not without question. (laughs) So, um, I I suspect he uh, loves it because he was really involved in that bit in that, in that particular arc. Whereas some of the more complex stuff, I suspect that's that's coming from elsewhere. I think the thing is, he did, to simply, I don't think it's not so
2: much he doesn't care. It's more the fact that he knows he can kind of get away with doing what he wants to do because it was his. So it's, he it's just like, wants a new toy. It's like, you get new toy it's like when you were at school, when the kid <laughs> would bring the football and he had to play because it was his football, he didn't have a choice. And that Lucas for the same thing, but it's mine, so I can do what I want to do. Yeah, you might have some really good stories over there, but it don't fit with what I want to do. And that, and the fact that this started to take that control away from him, is, is, is if anything, it helps. Well, it has helped really Star because there is a lot of good stuff out there now. But you know, I mean, the last three movies were. Bit hit and miss, um, but I I think the, th- the thing is if Lucas still had control of everything, we probably would never have got there. Well, with the that.
0: sequels he was going to double down. He's come out and said it. He was going to his idea for the sequels. He had something loosely written. He was going to double down on the midichlorians. He was there's a there's a whole Clone Wars arc all about like the the wills of the Force. It's one of my favourite arcs actually. It's quite near the end. Um, it's all about the wills of the Force. It loosely explains like Force ghosts and stuff like that. And I love it because all weird Force mystical stuff. But he was basically said that it would kind of be what's tackled in that, but mixed with a lot more of the science and the midichlorians. And I'm like, the people who go on about how Lucas gives Star Wars back to Lucas, I'm like, Lucas has had his fucking time, okay? I, I like George Lucas. I would love for him to be involved in a Star Wars project in the future. I do not want him at the helm okay i love the prequels i'm i'm so glad the sequels for their flaws are not all m- midichlorian related they, they in vibe are actually a lot more like the original trilogy but as you said before in this Lucas had some great ideas in the original trilogy, but there's so many people who did script rewrites. There's his wife at the time who like completely re-edited loads of stuff and cut loads of stuff out. There's actors who refused to say written lines because they didn't make any sense and they were so goofy. Mark Hamill, who's like an unknown actor, refused to say lines on this big opportunity of his in the first film, in Star Wars, the original. And it's like if all these people hadn't basically said no to George Lucas and done stuff... Star Wars would just be this really... It'd be like the... Which I haven't seen this yet, but the, the 80s Dune. It'd be like this really weird, goofy, silly movie. Or maybe more like Flash Gordon. That has a cult following. And there's a lot of people that appreciate it. But it wouldn't have been a franchise builder. It would have been a goofy, weird, fun film. And I think that's the thing. Is he's kind of learning a lot of the... In this, you get to see. Yeah, these fun, goofy episodes. But a fun, goofy episode to write every now and then. But you're not going to get like people truly emotionally really invest in the Star Wars like they are today.
2: Um, so what we're saying is basically George Lucas is Delboy. He he's a bit of a chancer <laughs> and it just so happens to have enough people around him so that the few ideas that he does I mean it, we we have, we do agree he does have some good ideas. Yeah. It's just a case of people like his wife. Well hang on a minute, George, let's just focus on this one. Let's just, you know, take a take a moment, calm down, watch lights over Lost, calm down a little bit um
1: do, do you not feel like this one? you you probably know people like this in in your life though in in a work environment or whatever and you have some people who are insanely brilliant at connecting things that that you wouldn't have even thought of but to actually manage and and see things through and plan things out and, and without things taking a hundred years to do and achieve. I, I think it's very difficult for one person to be all of those things. Usually it's it's a, you know, composite of lots of different people. So you need those creative types who are not necessarily bound with the practicalities of making something happen on time, on budget, within all the different creative constraints that you have. So, so I think, you know, I, I think he's giving Lucas credit for the, for the creative stuff. It's just when you kind of need him to be the planner and and the more you know practical person as well i think that's where it gets a bit nuts and and then cuz you get someone who's so creative like that and and he's trying to do that planning stuff and
0: he loses sight of of why it's important i feel mm, he's he's a very big picture guy and that's what the prequel mm. show prequels as i stand by have the best overall story of all star wars but when you actually it's the middle ground he sucks at tiny details he does quite well and then big picture stuff he does great. But the middle ground stuff, which is what the majority of people mm. see when they consume media, that's the problem. That's why the prequels fail mm-hmm. because the dialogue sucks in a lot of scenes. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes you're watching and why the fuck is... What is happening here? Why is this going on? But then you realise that this tiny little pointless stupid scene... In the grand scheme of things, it was actually an important part of Anakin's character development. But it was shown in such a crap way that you're just like, what? But there's little details that show cool stuff. But I, I want to know um, before we... Because we'll start to wrap up because we've been chatting for quite a while. I want to know there's one thing here which I may have been wrong in in the last several years of Star Wars Copies in Canon. So apologies if I have uh, said this. Um, Cody was never at the Battle of Geonosis. I always thought that Rex and Cody were both at the Battle of Geonosis. But the, uh, the original battle is not the one shown in this. the The one in Attack of the Clones. Cody was never there. He says it in one of these episodes in um in landing at Point Rain because he says he speaks to Obi Wan, and Obi Wan says, "Oh, you're happy to be you know back at Geonosis." And he goes, actually so "I was never I was never deployed on Geonosis. I was off doing something else. I I never fought at the Battle of Geonosis. This is my first time." Whereas Rex did fight at the Battle of Geonosis. We never see him on screen or anything, uh, but he was there. So I, I found that interesting because I always assumed they were both there because I know they're two of I I can't remember what the term is, but there's like the first batch of clones, basically. Mm Rex and Cody are amidst them. So they, and it's the idea, and again, this gets mentioned in later uh, arc, that they start to run out of genetic material for Django. So the clones are of an air quotes lesser quality in a way. They don't have as much time to train them. They don't have as much time to, you know, um, mentally prepare them for the war. Whereas because they had like a decade of training, the first kind of big batches of clones, mm-hmm. they were kind of at the best of the best, but most of them got completely wiped out in the Battle of Geonosis. But the ones that kind of survived the first few battles, they're the named ones that we, we've we mentioned, you know, people like Jesse and stuff like that. They're ones who come back because what they were from the first battles and what they learn, and they're kind of the quality of the clone in air quotes, they seem to last a lot longer, um, which is Look, an interesting thing. You know, in, in
2: Rebels, yes. the, the three clones we meet in Rebels is yep. Rex. Yep. Wolf. Yep, Gregor. Gregor. Is Gregor the the creator one? Yeah. Wolf got the missing eye, haven't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've met so, them. We've met them in uh, Clone Wars. Well, I know we met Rex. And, we met Wolf because Wolf is the leader of Plo Koon's battalion. So when Plo Koon in season oh, one, I think right. episode two, he's like, you know, we're just disposable, sir. You know, when they get stuck in those the pods yes. and stuff, Wolf is there. Uh, or was it? Yeah, Wolf is there because they, the, they call Plo Koon's squadron the Wolf Pack and he calls them he's like Wolf Pack and they're like oh and that's like one of the things yeah. they do that's Wolf Gregor is in I, th- I think he's he says one line or something in, in this season or the last season but Gregor does appear once or twice um, right. in the Clone War series so,
2: I'm, uh, no, I'm, I was going to ask what, what happened because if them three are there I wondered where Cody was but I don't, I'm not going to ask cause one you want to tell me I, I won't and, tell you and, and no. two, once we
0: finish tales oh. of the jedi clone wars and bad batch and probably Tales of the jedi season two by the time that's <laughs> out once we finished all that then you can start asking me questions right. about what happens to certain characters um go uh, ahead I, was- I, I think i think though math you probably
1: sit in the middle of me and mike i mean i remember rex i remember fives that's probably about it I think you're Mike remembers all of them. I mean, I, I can't honestly believe he made such a gaffe that he thought Cody was at the Battle of Geonosis. I mean, everyone is probably at home thinking, God, Mike, I can't believe you you thought that. Uh, but you're probably in the middle, I think. of You, you do pay attention to, to the names and stuff, but I kind of commit it to a short-term memory for the episode, and then it's flushed out very quickly.
0: Well, before we get our final statement, and wrap up can either of you remember if you haven't got it written in your notes the name of the clone that is the deserter
1: hold on hold on hold on it is uh trying, trying to think about... were you looking at the screen then dave no i That I, i'm honestly i have got in my notes clone deserter dash Cut <laughs> that is literally my notes for the episode <laughs> so i i had no idea but i thought you know what? because I, I loved the episode so much i, I but that was the only thing I, I and honestly i've already forgotten that name cut
0: the, but, the, i was asking i was asking for the surname but cut is that because you, yeah, you, you cut I'm like, like you the know, cut Bruce is bonus kind of, the term is because <laughs> you're a deserter so you've cut yeah. run so mm-hmm. that's the t- that's the double entendre almost because he's called cut before he ran but he calls yeah. himself cut because he cut and ran uh yeah so final statements so series two part one so part one of the rise of the bounty hunters kind of collection season um overall what do you guys think any final words uh before we wrap up um i'll go to you first dave um do you think the season to step up anything you didn't mention so far and are you excited for part two So I do think the
1: season's a step up. Um, We probably haven't spoken. I I think the sound engineering or whatever you would say, the sound design, I think, uh, is probably on par. But I thought straight away from episode one, all of the uh, unique Star Wars sounds you've already got in there, the way the machines move, the way the ships move into hyperspace, the way the droids move and everything, it it felt very star wars straight up, straight off the bat but where i think this stepped up is a in the animation mm-hmm. that we've not really talked about but it was definitely noticeable that you've stepped up now and b just in the storytelling as well i think uh going from mainly episode or episodic storytelling but having a kind of a loose uh, join, you know, that there is a loose arc through the season, whereas here you've got a definite, um, you know, like say, looking back, I couldn't really think of the the hard stops between one episode and another one, you know, in terms of Geonosis and whatever and the, the horror kind of episodes. So, yeah, a definite step up. But obviously, spoiler alert, I know it gets better. So By quite know, a it, lot it's as well. Just a, it's just a, a little teaser. But, yeah. I, and again, I think for me, I, I realize now, especially going through the second time, I don't know exactly why, but the thing that resonates with me the most is is the clones. And, and when we sort of treat the clones as actual human beings, that that's the thing that really resonates
0: with me. I'm looking forward to when we eventually do The Bad Batch because like, I, I can't wait, uh, to, <laughs> even though it is more episodic. But, uh, Math, what do you think? Obviously, this is your first time. Uh, are you chomping at the bit to get to part two? And did you think that part one of season two, did you feel like it, it felt like a step up from season yeah. one?
2: Okay, I, I definitely did. I think the animation, it, it's like they've gone, yep, this works. Let's throw a bit more money to it. Uh, mm. I will, is not, I said in, season one of circle were a bit Minecrafty with her yep. but she is more rounded that they, the they've obviously spent more time with her because she she's a key key character. I, I do I do wonder whether maybe if season one hadn't worked as well if they would have written her out. Because if she was kind of put in season one but they were a bit unsure. And then people have obviously liked her, so sort they're of, kind of like let's double down on her a bit more.
0: People didn't like her initially when the didn't movie they? came out and the season. She was the, she was the new Jar Jar. People fucking uh-huh. hated her. Yeah, legit. They were. She was one of the most hated characters in Star Wars for a while. After Jar Jar, you know you know all the 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 neckbeards are all like about Ray at the moment. You know, right. all the basement dwellers. Oh, you
2: can't have a woman who's
0: in power. oh would be scary. To clarify, I, I don't think Ray is the best written character, to clarify. I think she's quite dull, but I don't hate her. I, and I don't hate Daisy Ridley or anything like that. I just think Ray's kind of bland. But also, spoiler alert, Luke's kind of fucking bland as well. Anakin is bland to begin with. The only reason he becomes interesting is he because starts killing everyone. All <laughs> of the, the lineage of Skywalkers, they're all actually quite boring, apart from Leia, who's Ooh. quite cool, and um, Kylo off. Ren, Skywalker. who I, I love, Kylo Ren, but he's basically just a petulant child. So I like unhinged Skywalkers, but I don't. Ray's cool. I like I like Ray as a as a person. I just think she's not a very interesting character. But as me and Megan both agree. That's the same for all the, the main characters in Star Wars. Luke is boring. Han Solo is the cool one. Leia is the smart one. Darth Vader is the scary one. You know Chewie's the the kind of side character pet scary thing. One. You know three PO is the goofy kind of silly. Um, oh no, what's going on? One. You know you've and you've got a similar dynamic in the uh, sequels as well. You know Poe is kind of the Han Solo esque character. You know Finn is kind of has got his own kind of thing going. on. You've got these different character types, but the main goody. I find them a bit boring. But Ahsoka didn't... Ahsoka, yeah, very much disliked. Um, Throughout season one, I think... I think when in... Around here, people started to like her a bit more. um, But she was not liked at all. Like, genuinely, really wasn't.
2: I I, I do feel that, obviously, the animation looked a lot better. The the lighting is better as
0: well, I think. yeah, but, Dave. Sorry, did you have something to say about the Ahsoka thing? Just to then we we'll go back to
1: math. No, it's just math's choice there. I mean, they they still stick her in a boob tube and stuff. But I was yeah. actually gonna say because uh, because Megan couldn't join us tonight. I mean, mm. I'm sure she said in the first season that you know teenagers are just dicks. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, she's just basically a, a teenager, isn't she? In the in the Clone Wars and. And I think, I I haven't mentioned it as well, but I don't like how, even as this cocky teenager, she has all the answers, you know, and and all these experienced Jedi, and and then the one where they they were, uh, you know, doing the battle strategies and stuff like that. Well, Ahsoka's got all the answers, and it turns out at the end, she was right all along. So, I don't love that bit, but she is... I think certainly when Clone Wars started, they were probably looking at Ahsoka as being the point of view character because this is a cartoon. This is, you know, and they'd done cartoons before, hadn't they? Lots of times in the Star Wars universe. So they were aimed at kids. And it's just this weird evolution. And, and you've got to credit Filoni for, for it, but you get this more kind of. Uh, mature storytelling and then that draws the, the hardcore fans in it is kind of how I feel you know having only watched it for the first time a couple of years ago it, retrospectively I'm looking back and I I can see why the hardcore fans got bought into it
0: yeah and I want to say to you Math with your point is like with this, this story of Clone Wars is Ahsoka and Anakin's separate journeys in, in a way as well as a few other tertiary characters but the thing is Ahsoka gets a lot more of her own screen time and I think you see the majority of her growth when she's away from Anakin, you know, and that's what Light Table Lost, I think, does actually encapsulate quite well.
2: I think it's one of those things where the thing is you have to remember they are teenagers yeah. and it's like although Anakin is 19, going on 20, so he's a young adult at that point, but he's been given a lot of responsibility of taking on this Padman if, if in a way, be too young to do that again ahsoka is probably too young really to be out there doing the things that she's doing but, fighting wars yeah but she's having to do so she's having to make the best of uh, ability now whether that's because of the force or whether she's just that kind of person who knows well you know we'll learn as we go along but they're kind of putting this and this is why the it's good to see him make mistakes. It's like when she loses a lightsaber, but she then goes to try find a way to kind of, you know, learn from her mistakes and try... She still do not want to go to Anakin and tell him, oh, by the way, I'm fucked up here. <laughs> 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 and that, you know, it, it, it it's, it's like when your kids, you know, have eaten some sweets and they're trying to hide it from you. And that, you know, that so they're going to try find a way to kind of get around it. But it's nice to see that grow. And I suppose, in one sense, yes, you should. It'd be better if they was older. You could kind of take on why they would be able to command armies. But at the same point, with them being younger, you feel that you can see them grow. They can kind of take these leaps of, you know, a year or two, kind of jump forward.
0: It's a like coming of age story, isn't it? It's like yeah, of, yeah, totally. Um, so, is there anything else to add uh, before we do plugs? On this, uh, I think we've done. I think we've tackled quite a lot. I just didn't want to just want to make sure before we wrap up. It's a good job we split it in half. Yeah.
1: No, I was I was just literally going to say I was so happy that we did that because I'd have been tempted to skim over so much. But yeah. but again, I I don't know whether it's going to get like Aristotle's arrow. You know, we did series one in one full bite <laughs> and then we've had this one i don't know if it's going to get shorter as we get as we get on but no i think it's been great i really enjoyed sort of talking to you guys about this stuff and and again this is a second time going through but it's I, you know i think it's going to be one of those that i just constantly go back to over the years you know and and just um, maybe not all of them. I mean, if we weren't going through maybe that last episode, I would skip over. It's like, oh, no, it's, Ahsoka learns a lesson. Brilliant. I'll, I'll go on to the next one. Um, you know, but, but um, no, it's been brilliant.
0: I think the majority, if if I was to do a, a rewatch, like an abridged re- rewatch, um, I think I, w- I would primarily choose the big arcs. But I think, I think I'd choose Deserter and um, Grievous Intrigue would be the two the two standalone episodes thus far that have spoken to me personally the most or got, got what I want out of Star Wars the most. Uh, but, math any final things before we do plugs? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm glad that, you know,
2: that what year and a bit ago when you kind of said, oh, you should watch this.
0: It was Andor, wasn't it? Because Andor was so Yeah, weird. it was Andor. You were like, oh, I want I- more stuff like Andor. It- and, was, and we were like, well, Rebels is similar in vibe I guess it's it's probably yeah. the closest to Andor you can get into it, Andor it Series 2 that me and David
2: and, and joined you on that and we just kind of you know, that's how it kind Spontaneously. of
0: came Well, it's great because it's an excuse for me because I've always been wanting to rewatch. I think Dave might be similar, where you've kind of like I should, I should rewatch Clone Wars. Or I should rewatch Rebels because there's so many amazing moments, but they don't hit as hard unless you kind of you get the build up. So when you listen to a full album, like the the songs that hit hard work because the songs before, if they're not as strong or they're kind of slower, and you get hit with a power ballad at the end, like there are things in the clone wars that aren't as powerful but there's certain moments that are are so hard hitting and we haven't even skimmed the surface of how some of the episodes happen um but the excuse to be able to rewatch all these because seven seasons there's 133 episodes in total of clone wars right so that's a even at 20 (laughs) 25 minutes ago that's a big commitment Mm. if you haven't got a reason to do it but because we're doing this and because we're saying basically one episode a month we have to kind of keep watching it and occasionally me and megan i'll be like I know I have to watch a couple of Clone Wars episodes tonight. And then as soon as they're on, I'm like, even on the episodes that aren't that amazing, I'm like, you know what? I remember now, like, even the episodes are okay. This is still, like, nice Star Wars. And I don't, unlike the movies that I know at the back of my hand and certain comics that I know really well, because I've only seen these twice over the years, over the basically last decade or so. It is still. I'm watching certain episodes, especially ones that I didn't think were as exciting. And I'm like, actually, you know, Tyrus and Ubi and like Super Lost is brilliant. You know, actually, this is quite an important episode for a circle. Like, there's these. It's, it's one of those arcs. things because it's like I, I thought I don't want to watch them
2: too early because then I'll end up forget what they are. But Doing the Dave in season one. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like you know I want to try space it out so I can watch a few each night. But then you think right, I'm going to watch some Star Wars. Say okay, right, uh, yeah. I'll put them on, we'll watch one or two, was it? And then, you know, I mean, because these are in acts, it's like, I've got to watch the next one. What time is it? Mm, well, I suppose I could have 20 minutes less of sleep. You know, <laughs> we'll just get to the end of this. Act. Actually, no, there's another one. Right, okay. And fortunately, the last three, I ended up watching all three together anyway, but um, I could have split off at any point in that uh, but. I suppose that, that's the point where I I don't really know where the arcs are as such and that. So no, it, I don't it, tell
0: you intentionally. When I yeah. saw this I was like, oh yeah, there's those five episodes. Like, Actually, if he doesn't know there's five, when an episode ends, you don't know if they're going to resolve the problem or not.
2: Well, I, I watched all five together. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it, because it, I think it was last Saturday. It's about um, two hours, isn't but, it? Yeah, no. last Saturday before. Um, that's, I, I kind of got there and I thought, right, okay. Like uh, a movie, well, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it like it, one of those things that I, I, I'm meant to be watching. some about spiders, uh, in the next week or two, and I thought, right, I could, I could watch this film that's a really bad film, I know, or I could start watching the Star Wars. Actually, let's start watching the Star Wars, and they like, yes, you know, that's well worth, you know, a couple of hours of my, my time spent. Amazing. You know, Amanda says, What did you do last night? I watched Star Wars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Read <laughs> Star Wars, then I watched a bit of Star Wars, then I played some Star Wars. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, yeah.
2: No, I, 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 I'm so glad that we, we, we're we getting to do this. It's, um, it's, it's opened my eyes to be able to come back and enjoy it all.
0: There's so many things I'm excited for, but I can't even hint at them because it ruined dramatic tension. So there's just good things I'm, to come. I'm
2: just, I'm actually trying to be careful because I keep, I'm, I'm, I'm a fiddler, so I'm like scrolling with my ma- mouse. Like I keep seeing the, um." the next the mandalor plot
0: keep popping up and I'm trying not to read it as it keeps coming up on the screen the only teaser I'll give for that one is uh is any listeners who may be unfamiliar is it introduces a character called the duchess and she's very very interesting for a lot of different reasons that I think that will surprise people if they they aren't already aware of her existence so uh and there's some long term effects as well of her character, so which we'll be able to delve into a little bit, uh, a little bit. But this has been Wars conversation, so we'll do our little plugs now. Um, so, Dave, do you want to kick us off with uh, the, some of the stuff you've got going on? This will probably drop. Um, it might be. It'll be either next week or the week after, so it'll be at some point in February, I, I believe. Um, so you don't have to spoil what's coming up for some of your things, but loosely in the next, like not this coming week, but a week or two.
1: I guess the first thing is I was just checking my mic there because I'm sure Maff described himself as a fiddler uh <laughs>
0: Not
2: that way. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't fiddling, let that walk Fiddling next. with the mouse. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> that, no, hang on. That, that could go down. BCLT, oh my God. About,
1: about. Yeah, fiddling <laughs> cut, with the mouse. Cut, cut, cut uh, sorry, right. <laughs> sorry, sorry to take it down that route. So, okay. Uh, let me chance my arm. So, actually, math. I don't know if you were listening to our Patreon episode this morning because you said a phrase from uh, one of the VHS Strikes Back quotes, which is, this week is the usual suspects. And you said about the quote, which is, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he did not exist, which was a line by Kaiser Soze. And uh absolutely brilliant line. So, yeah, that's this week. Uh, probably this will come out after that. Uh, So you guys are both Patreons, so you probably know, or if you don't know. So next week is an Australian film called Exchange Lifeguards, which is this weird Australian film on the beach. However, when it was marketed to the US, it was sort of rebranded with this kind of Pamela Anderson type on the VHS cover and called Wet and Wild Summer. So uh, that's that's going to be a good one next week. And, um, yeah, on the reality cast, we are doing... Uh, we've finished Traitors. Uh, so, again, great kind of family fun episode, that is. And then we've been covering Love Island. <laughs> Love Island All-Stars as well. And when I say All-Stars, I mean reality TV wannabes who uh, Chris and I delight in just calling out mm-hmm. and uh,
0: uh, taking the piss out of. So... Yeah, that's what I'm up to. Amazing stuff, and there's a couple of secret things in the background as well that uh, people find out about in the future as well. It's going to be quite a bit of fun. But math, what you got going on? You hinted at the uh, the spider film. Yeah, films. I, I think me and Spider Dan uh,
2: um, in March he's going to be releasing uh, two films uh, that we're going to review. Mm-hmm. One's big ass spider, and there was eight legged. Like, oh, Eight Legged Freaks. So, yeah, I would do. Uh, I've, I've watched one of them before. Um, the other one's a new one to me, but we're going to probably delve into that. Well, Eight
0: Legged uh, Freaks got a young Scarlett Johansson in it. Yes. One, yeah, of, that, one of that, the that's first roles, I've actually. seen before. And it, yeah. it's, I vaguely remember it. I'm the um, same. I watched it when I was younger. I don't think I realised it was like a comedy film. Yeah. I, so I, I,
2: have to, I have to go I, I, I vaguely remember it was all right. um the, the, as i said the other one I've, I've never seen it before i do know one of the actors he um, he was in heroes uh, i've not he, seen heroes to be honest oh okay well anyway it, i'm sure it, it's on youtube so it must be good <laughs> <laughs>
1: all the classics are free on youtube yeah <laughs> uh,
2: but but yeah that that's i think that's going to be in march when we um, when we do that one so
1: amazing stuff yeah it's got david arquette
0: hasn't it so uh courtney oh, Cox, his- nice. is it- yeah yeah courtney cox's uh ex. yeah yeah, yeah. um well wow. well that's gonna be good fun yeah i'll put a details in the description there he is he's got it cx purchase nicely done um <laughs> so yes i mean and i'm uh mike you can get me at genuine chit chat on instagram x facebook tiktok threads um Ah, there's so many of them um and i post on them intermittently occasionally um but this year this year is all about me just trying to have nice conversations not worry, worry about social media quite as much because it's just a a pain um posting and all that jazz but i've obviously got uh, there's a few star wars comments and canon stuff um there's the uh dark disciple book review there's the phasma book review as well um i'm also going to be releasing another high republic one the um, eye of darkness i've got a star wars conversation coming up in the next few weeks um with ike's flame so that should be good fun um i've got genuine chit-chat conversations coming out my ears so i've done uh, scott weatherly 20th century geek we did a th- nearly three hour long moon Knight podcast about go through like pretty much all whole- i read a lot of moon Knight. <laughs> i read a ton of it and so we spoke about that for ages all the different runs and things uh, the originals the L- L- linear run the ellis run the houston run all of it um and then we spoke about his, his essay book i've got disney discussions 11 which i've just release as of recording this this will be releasing tonight because I was a little bit late on releasing because Megan's been ill so Disney Discussions 11 will be out by now Uh, and then yeah we've got Clone Wars conversations coming up Uh, I've got a secret pod with Chris as well that's going to be recording in the next couple weeks and a couple of guest spots so loads of stuff going on from me make sure you subscribe make sure you keep an eye out for the subsequent uh, season that's going to be coming out so aim to release that in March keep up with Clone Wars conversations tell us what you think of all the episodes and follow us and share and let us snow but friends thank you so much for listening obviously math and dave delight speaking to you as always i'm so glad we could continue this journey together i'm very very excited for season two part two and beyond and so friends there's nothing left to say apart from may the force be with you and be with you